0: Welcome to the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Please feel free to leave a comment and be sure to join our group on Facebook. Now relax and enjoy the show.
1: P.O.S.T.
2: P.O.S.T. Post, the serials you like the most, brings you the Roy Rogers Show, starring the king of the cowboys himself, Roy Rogers. It's roundup time.
1: time on the Double R Bar. So saddle your horse, cause are
2: The Double R Bar Ranch transcribes stories and songs of the real West with the Whippoorwills, the wisest trail scout of them all, Jonah Wilde, played by Forrest Lewis, the Queen of the West, Dale Evans, and in person, the King of the Cowboys, Roy Rogers. <laughs>
3: This is Roy Rogers. If you want to do Mama a favor, remind her to keep Post cereals on the shelf all the time, Buckaroos. Remind her tomorrow before she does her shopping. You can count on anything bearing the brand name Post. Well, sir, Dale, Joan, and I are in the mountain area north of Paradise Valley. We rode out here with the sheriff, hoping to find some trace of Don Wallace in these gang. <laughs>
4: admit we lost
1: them. I'm afraid
5: you're right, Sheriff. Roy,
4: you folks go home. If I run into anything, I'll send for you. Hey, Ten Star, are you trying to get rid of us? We're staying, Sheriff. We've got to take Wallace before we
6: have any peace in this valley. Yeah, that's it, Roy. You tell him. Thinks he can send us home. Poo. Say, poo, poo, poo.
4: I wasn't talking to you, Uh, General's boy. And stop
6: calling me General's boy. Hey, listen. You just wait till next election, sheriff. I'll get you out of office if I have to vote four hundred times myself. And
5: I'll be listen,
6: da- will you? Hey, old tumbleweed with the badge pinned on. Somebody's singing.
5: Clear out here in the wilderness.
6: Yeah, sounds pretty, doesn't it?
7: Yeah, it's pretty. It's awful lonesome.
6: Say, I think I recognize that voice.
4: Somebody named Sore Throat Sidney, I suppose.
6: No, Harry the Howler. He sung in the choir. Boy,
1: <laughs> I didn't know anyone lived in these hills.
6: Nobody
3: does, Dale. Cut me right off. There's some shepherds over there, ways, but not close enough for them to be heard.
4: Seems odd we'd hear singing out here, at night especially.
6: Oh, listen to some holler sounding music, but cut me right off. I doubt if
3: any Wallace's gang are singers, but let's track down that voice just to be on the safe side.
4: Come on, you trigger.
1: He's quit singing now.
8: Yeah,
6: yes. Fella with any brains wouldn't sing on a winter's night anyhow. They say he wouldn't sing on a winter's night. Cold makes the vocal cords draw up until you can't sing nothing but flat bass notes. Now you take Harry the howler. Look around here. Oh, sure. Can't even get a start tonight.
4: Isn't that a peaceful scene?
1: I've been thinking the same thing, Sheriff. The moon shining down on the snow and the pine trees. Those
5: hills stretching off as far as a person can see.
3: It's hard to believe there could be any bad in the world on a night like this, isn't it?
9: There! Sure
3: enough. Here we go. Look on past that little rise. Some squatting by his campfire. No, I
1: don't see. Oh, yeah, sure enough.
3: Maybe we ought to ride on down
6: there and warn him. Better go see if he's a lookout. He ought to be warned. Sounds like he's beginning to
3: flat his notes already.
5: Jonah! Roy and the sheriff think he may be a lookout for Wallace's gang.
3: Or more likely, he may have run across their camp. We'll take it easy going down. Maybe we can get right up on him before he knows we're around. This is close enough.
5: He doesn't look like a gunman.
6: Hey, do you notice how skinny his neck is? Vocal cord's starting to draw up already. Howdy there.
10: Well, well howdy, strangers. Come on over and get
4: warm. Careful, boys Let's not walk into any traps.
3: We'll watch it, Sheriff. Oh, thanks.
6: We will. Hey, do you think I ought to warn him about his neck now or wait? Let's wait until we see if he shoots
10: us first. Mighty good to have company. I suspect lonesome out here. So lonesome, I was down there singing to my horse, and well, this is nice, sure enough. A lady, howdy, miss. Howdy, you can call me prodigal, everybody else does. My name's Fred, though, Fred Pappert. Kind of unusual, isn't it, for a man to spend a night like this out here? Well, it ain't nothing a man had picked. I set out to find a fella called Don Wallace, but my horse went lame. Don Wallace,
4: is that what you said? Don Wallace? Why, yes.
10: Something wrong? Just a coincidence, but we're looking for the same man ourselves. Well, now, ain't that fine? He's married to my kid's sister. Hmm. You know him well? (laughs) Not as well as we'd like to. How long has uh, he been married to your sister? About two years, I think. But I can't be sure. I left the territory for the wedding... I didn't cotton to Wallace much, you see, and after him and me had some hard words, I took off. So you
11: just left?
10: Yes, I did. I just had a yearning to come, a feeling I ought to be here, so I emptied out what little money was in my poke, bought some grub, and started. Oh, I, I bought these, too. They're for sis and the baby. Baby? My kid's sisters. And Wallace's. Convolutions. Here's what I got. A pair of cowboy boots. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. for fear it's old enough to be walking. This uh, here rubber thing is for it to chew on and bring out its teeth in case it's real young, like I hope.
8: Mm-hmm.
10: And this, uh, I wanted to get one thing that was real fancy. Fanciest I could for the money I had, so I bought a picture.
5: Oh, it's beautiful prodigal.
10: Sure is. A real artist drew it. I figured Sis would hang it over the little fellow's bed and them three angels would look down and sort of guard him all the time he was asleep. Particle, when did you hear about the baby? I didn't, for real. It just come to me that they had one. But it comes
6: so strong I know they have. Well, say now, if you find out where he is, we know this territory.
10: We could take you right there. Thank you. No, I I couldn't leave my horse here when he's hurting. Well,
5: that means spending the night out here.
10: Yes, um, but it's real pretty tonight. I just thought I could look up at the sky and think about the baby and sort of imagine there was angels up there singing the way there was once when another baby was born. It's on account of the picture I got thinking about such things. Say, uh, you folks don't happen to sing, do you? Yeah,
6: no, no, not on a cold night. You see, the chill makes the vocal cords draw up, and... Yeah, we you, all
10: sing a little, once oh, in a while. Fudge. A song out here in the mountains that sound real good. Sure it would.
3: Let's see if we can think of something we all know. Say, uh, uh, how about Cowboy's Dream? You oh, know good. That? Yeah. Yeah. All right.
8: All sure.
10: right.
3: Tonight I'm a tired, weary cowboy I've been in the
1: saddle all day
12: Searching the hills and the valleys For cattle that strayed
3: away How about singing the chorus with us, prodigal? All right. Roll on.
1: Roll on, roll on, little doggies, roll on, roll.
13: On. A melody floats out under the cool moonlit night high in the mountains, like an answer to the murmur of the pine trees. A look of peace comes to the worn face of the young cowboy called Prodigal. He's with other human beings, his own kind. That alone brings a contentment he has long missed. While they sing, a sound comes as though someone was close by. None of the singers, save Roy, hears it, and he makes no sign lest the spell of the music be broken.
10: You're done, mole. hard good.
6: Yes, well, we'll all be talking flat bass notes by morning.
5: What's
12: the matter, Roy?
6: Don't
3: anyone move. I think we've got company.
12: I raise your hands, and oh, don't move. You're surrounded, you're covered from all sides. Well, convolutions, oh, it's Wallace. Now, boys, we may try a haul here the sheriff and Roy Rogers, among others. <laughs> you two kept us up here in the hills so long we're hungry. We're after grub. Howdy, Don. A prodigal, a big brother-in-law. I always knowed you was no good. Where's Sis? I'll give you the news some other time, prodigal. Gordon, you and Charlie get the guns. Sure, you bet. Put them in the saddlebags. Now then, where's the grub? I wouldn't
3: touch that grub, Wallace. It belongs to prodigal here. It's all he has.
12: Why, this isn't enough to do us one meal. What are these things? You keep away from them things. Kid-sized cowboy boots, a teething ring. Let them things be. <laughs> Look, Angel. <laughs> a picture of Angel. <laughs> they taking a long to hang on the wall of our hideout. <laughs> Here, Charlie, catch the Angel. Yeah, <laughs> what's the matter with you? I said to catch. You
10: broke it, Don. That picture was something special.
13: You broke it. Prodigal's face, even in the moonlight, is pale except for the fire that burns in his eyes. Roy signals him to be quiet, but he pays no attention. I'm going to kill you! He lunges, clips Wallace on the chin. Wallace pulls the trigger of the gun in his hand. Prodigal wavers and drops limply into the snow.
12: Yeah, stay right where you are, I warned him. Come on, Don, we got the grab and we got the guns. They're helpless. Let's get out of here. Yeah, all right. Now be smart and don't follow us. We got the guns.
13: As Don, Wallace, and his outlaws leave, Roy, Dale, Jonah, and the sheriff bend down over the silent form of prodigal lying in the snow.
1: It looks as though he's pretty badly hurt.
13: We ought to go after them cats, Roy. We will.
3: We'll run them down. But we have to get some help for prodigal first.
4: Roy, I think you said there were some shepherds in these hills.
3: Yeah, their cabin will be the nearest shelter. Hang on, prodigal. We're going to have to move you, fella. And I expect it'll hurt some. But we'll see that you're taken care of. Then we're riding out and getting Wallace shore. You can count on that.
2: Say, are you caught up in the rush of last minute shopping? Well, here's something you don't have to shop for. Your corner grocer has it. And it's a gift you'll want to give yourself often. It's Crinkles, Post New Rice Cereal that's sugar coated. Mmm, candy kissed rice. It's twice as nice. For a breakfast treat that
1: can't be beat. You will have a circus, Edo Crinkle, buh-boo. <laughs> Sugar-coated <laughs> cereal, crinkle, buh-boo.
12: <laughs> candy kissed rice, it's twice as nice. Yeah. Candy kissed rice, it's twice as nice. So you, you will have, have
1: a circus, Edo Crinkle, buh-boo.
2: Yes, sir, you will have a circus when you dig into Crispy Crisp Crinkles the new rice cereal that's already sweet. That's right, no sugar needed. You just add milk or cream and eat. Mmm, you never had nutrition so good. Mighty good eating comes snack time, too. So get in a good supply of Post's new crinkles. <laughs>
13: Dale and Jonah, accompanied by the sheriff, give first aid to the wounded cowboy who says he is called Prodigal, and then start on their journey to the other side of the hills. Dale carries the presents Prodigal has bought for his sister's baby, being especially careful with a broken picture of the three angels. The air is cold. The moon shines down with a clear, almost mystic light as they ride across the snow and arrive at the shepherd's cabin. <laughs>
6: They must be sleeping sounder than some law officers I know
4: I hope there's nothing personal in that remark, General's boy
3: Let's try the door, see if it's open
1: Hello in there
4: Just a minute, I'll light a match
1: Listen, we'd better be careful Don Wallace and his gang may be here Or maybe they've already been here
9: There
3: Empty Come on, we'll go in well, it looks as though the Shepherds left in a hurry. Their supper's still on the table. And it wouldn't
4: be if Wallace had been here. His gang is out of food.
3: We'll put Prodigal on the bunk here.
6: Let's get a
10: fire started as soon as we can. Yes,
6: yes, I'll do that. I'm the best fire builder east or west of the Rockies. Well, Prodigal, you coming too?
3: Yeah, guess I am.
4: Roy, look here. Rifle.
3: Sure enough. I figured the Shepherds would have some.
4: Plenty of ammunition too.
3: That fixes us up good. Prodigal, as soon as we make you comfortable, we'll head out after Wallace. Dale will stay with you, won't you, Dale? You bet. The trail's fresh, and there's not much doubt what we'll find the gang now. But there's a lot of them, and we'll need all the help we can get.
13: The cabin warmed and Prodigal made comfortable. Roy, Jonah, and the sheriff ride back across the mountain to the place where they were attacked by Wallace's gang. There they find the trail plainly marked in the snow. They follow it, determined that men as ruthless as these shall not be free to rob and kill. They ride for several miles, then suddenly bring their horses to a stop.
12: Uh, whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, easy, 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 easy whoa, whoa. Hey,
13: Let's have a look at this trail. Yeah, I thought things were going too good to last.
4: <sighs> it Looks like they've split up. The trail's divided.
3: No, I don't believe so, Sheriff. These are two separate trails. One probably leads to their hideout and the other away from it. Wallace is just smart enough to build camp at the end of a blind canyon. Well, suppose we throw a couple of shots in there and see if anybody's home.
6: Yeah. Now, I'll put one right through that middle of that lean-to. Well, looks as though they're not at home. What you think we better do, go back and follow that other trail? No, let's wait right here
3: till they ride back. Trigger, fella, I've got a job for you. I want you to go back in there and wait for us. Go way back in the canyon. Wait. Understand, fella? All the way back. Go on now. Yeah, sure. You ain't got no horse now, Roy. If pull cats ride back... If they come back, we'll let them go on in and bottle them up. It may be handy to have Trigger in there behind them. I see what you mean. There's just one thing that worries me, though. They may go over to the shepherd's cabin looking for food before they come back here. Convolutions. Dale and prodigal are there all alone. Sheriff... I wonder if you'd mind going back and taking care of things at that end.
4: I know, but what if Wallace and his gang come back here? You and Jonah...
3: It looks as though we're going to have to split forces if we make sure of getting these rattlers. Besides, Jonah and I have been in tight spots before, haven't we, Jonah? We'll make out all right.
13: The sheriff leaves. Roy and Jonah settle down to wait at the entrance to the Blind Canyon. And in waiting, the moonlight begins to look less beautiful. It is cold. The light is ominous. The wind blowing into the canyon makes their feet and hands grow numb. Their ears tingle. They wait patiently, though, for they're after men who are killers.
6: Hey, somebody's coming. Yeah, and it's a gang, too. Mm. I uh, don't suppose it'd be good manners to pick them off one
3: by one as they ride by us, would it? I'm afraid not, Jonah. We've never yet shot a man without
13: giving him a chance, and we won't begin now. Roy and Jonah wait. Wallace, leading the gang, rides abreast of them, then on into the canyon. It would be easy to do, as Jonah suggested, shoot them down one by one in the half-dark of the night. But instead, Roy and Jonah wait.
3: Sure is a lot of them, ain't they? We'll wait until they get about halfway into their camp, and then we'll go to work.
1: We're giving you this
3: one chance to surrender.
6: Well, personal, I hope he takes you.
12: Who's out there poking so big?
3: Yeah. Roy Rogers, and I'm not alone.
12: Just be careful when you're riding after us, Rogers. You make awful good targets.
3: <laughs> you're in the middle, Wallace. We've got help behind you. Throw down your guns and ride out with your hands in the air, or we'll open fire.
1: Here's that, sir Rogers.
3: Let's go to work, Jonah.
13: Roy and Jonah level their rifles and begin firing. The outlaws answer with their guns. They won't scare. Roy will have to put his strategy to work.
3: Keep firing, Jonah, but high now. Fire over their heads. Anything you say, Roy. Trigger, come on, boy. This way, Trigger.
13: Trigger hears Roy's voice.
3: This way, fella, come
13: on. The gang is between Trigger and Roy. Trigger hesitates a split second, then charges forward into the
1: gang. Yeah, That's it, fella. Take him, boy.
8: boy.
6: They're surrendering, Roy. Hold it,
3: trigger. Wait here,
6: fella. Wait there, boy.
3: Throw down your guns and walk this way. And keep your hands in the air.
12: Just keep those hands in the air. And don't let them down for any reason. Now, yeah, wait a minute. What is this? Where's the sheriff? And where's that posse? I imagine the sheriff
3: will be along pretty soon, Wallace. More than likely, he'll have heard the shooting and is on his way. We'll turn you over to him as soon as he gets here.
10: Well, maybe the sheriff will let me convince Wallace to tell where Sis is. I feel well enough.
14: Don't worry about it now, prodigal.
10: I think the sheriff will have him ready to talk by the time we get to town. Well, personal, I doubt it. He's better at interrupting people than letting them talk. I'd hate to think anything bad happened to Sis. There was always something about her, young and warm and sort of tender. Yet, there was a look of sadness in her eyes that never left. We were awful close, Sis and me.
9: Well... We have company. Hey, oh, who's Hi. Stay where you are. There's no cause to be alarmed. We're shepherds. We live here. You're Roy Rogers, aren't you? That's right.
3: A friend of ours was hurt, and we brought him here so he could keep warm.
9: Oh, I'm sorry we weren't home. We had word that a new baby had been born over at Three Pines. A new baby? Yes. And you know how much seeing a baby means to... Lonely men like ourselves.
14: We're on our way to see one now. That is, our friend is, and if he'll let us, we'd like to go along.
9: I hope the baby you see is as wonderful as the one we visited. The folks were poor until it came. But now they're rich in all-saved money. And the mother, young and warm... And with a quality of tenderness about her. Yet she had an expression of sadness in her eyes. What? Ask
10: him where the baby is. We've got to go there right away.
2: Folks, got a little song you might enjoy hearing. It isn't a Christmas carol, but it contains a mighty good suggestion.
1: Listen. You will have, you have a circus a eating crinkum boo-poo. Sugar coated cereal crinkum boo-boo.
12: Candy kiss price, it's twice as nice. Yeah. Candy kiss price, it's twice as nice.
1: So you, you will have a circus even crinkum boo-boo.
2: You know, once you try New Crinkles, you'll be singing its praises too. Because you never had nutrition so good. Toasted rice in sugar and honey. And with crinkles in your breakfast dish, you can forget about that old sugar bowl because crinkles are already sweet. They're the new rice cereal that's sugar coated.
11: Yes,
12: canicus rice, it's twice as nice. Yeah. is rice, it's twice as nice.
2: So you, you will have a circus eating crinkles. Eating crinkles. So, friends, for sweller tasting breakfasts and snacks, You'll need several boxes of Crinkles post-new rice cereal that's sugar-coated. Look for the red, white, and blue box with the Crinkles clown right on the front.
8: He's
1: staying so long, Roy, I almost wish we'd gone into the house with him.
3: Prodigal's all right. Remember, he had not seen his sister in a long time.
6: Uh, 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 Maybe now would be a good time to tell you about Howl and Harry. Do you know any way we can get out of listening to this, Roy? Oh, I'm afraid not. We're trapped this time. (laughs) Good, good, good. Well, sir, Howl and Harry insisted on singing in the church choir. And he was so loud, he made all of the ladies faint. And then they they finally hit on a plan where every Sunday morning, somebody would go over and thump Harry on the head (laughs) and (laughs) knock him out. Yeah, and then the preacher's wife would hang her washing on the line real quick-like, and when Harry come to, they'd tell him that Sunday was over and it was Monday. They'd point to the wash on the line. (laughs) Oh,
8: Oh,
6: yes, prodigal. No, defeat, defeat.
10: It is, my sis. In here. She's got a baby. It was born just tonight. This is where the shepherds were visiting.
5: And everything's all right?
10: Everything's fine she told me that when I left the territory because I couldn't stand seeing her marry Wallace, she kind of took hold of herself and looked around a little. She decided Wallace wasn't our kind. Later, she met this new fellow and fell in love with him. He's a real good husband to her.
5: We're happy for you, prodigal.
10: Thank you, ma'am. The only thing I'm sorry about is that I've been away so long. Two whole years almost wasted. Well, maybe not, prodigal.
3: Your going away kept your sister from marrying an outlaw. Now she has a good husband, and tonight her baby was born. Perhaps this baby is to do some great work in the world. It's just a thought, but if it does, you can always know you had a part
10: in something which came to pass. Almost like a miracle.
3: It's all about Santa and his helpers three There's Hard Rock and Coco and Joe Hard Rock's the driver up there in his sleigh Coco reads maps and he shows him the way Old Santa really has no need for Joe But takes him cause he loves him so Donner and Blitzen away, away
1: I'm Hard Rock and Coco
3: Santa is busy with his heavy pack He trusts his drivers and never looks back
1: Oh, I'm Hard Rock I'm Coco.
3: Now go to bed early on this Christmas Eve I've no way of knowing just what you'll receive But you'll hear the laughter, that much I do know It'll
1: be Hard Rock,
3: Coco oh, and Joe Three little men, only two feet high, singing to Santa away up in the sky, laughing and shouting as the sleigh bells ring. It's Hard Rock and Coco and Joe. Donner and blitzen away, away, away.
1: I'm
3: Hard Rock. I'm Coco. Santa is busy with his heavy pack. He trusts his drivers and never looks back.
1: Oh, lady, your I'm Hard Rock. I'm Joe. Oh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in the one horse open sleigh. Dasher, dancer, prancer, vixen, comet, cupid, donner, blitz, and over the moon so bright. Thirty-two feet and eight little tails of white. Hurry, hurry, hurry through the night Old Saint Nick, he works so quickly Leaving toys for girls and boys And over the roof so high Thirty-two feet and eight little tails They fly Faster, faster, faster through the sky Oh, look at them go Ho, 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 Dancer, dancer, prancer, vixen Comet, Cupid donner, blitzin' Over the garden wall Two feet and eight little tails and all See them canter here old Santa call Merry, Merry Christmas to you jingle, all bell, Jingle bell, jingle jingle all the way Merry, Merry Christmas to you all
2: Look for Roy Rogers on NBC television Saturday, December 29th Or Sunday, December 30th in other cities See your local newspaper for time and station
3: That's all for now, folks. This is Roy Rogers saying to all of you, from all of us, goodbye, good luck, and may the good Lord take a liking to you. See you next week.
1: Happy trails to you Until we meet again Happy trails to you Keep smiling
2: until then Roy Rogers Show is brought to you by Post Serials each week at this same time. With the Whippoorwills, Forrest Lewis, Dale Evans, and the king of the cowboys himself, Roy Rogers. An Art Brush production transcribed, directed by Tom Hargis, script by Ray Wilson, music by Milton Charles. Featured in today's cast were Frank Hemingway, Herb Butterfield, Sam Edwards, Bob Griffin, and Stan Waxman. This is Art Ballinger speaking for POST Post Serials. Happy trails to
1: you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling. Who cares about the clouds if we're together? Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather. Happy prayers to you till we
0: meet again. Now you can double your listening pleasure by subscribing to the Strangers and Pilgrims Podcast. For only 99 cents a month, you gain access to more shows for your enjoyment. Subscribe now! And happy listening!
15: Campbell Soup presents George Burns
11: and Gracie
15: Allen. Tony Martin and Ken Niles and Henry King and his music. We love <laughs> Mr. George and Gracie will be with us. Meanwhile, this is Ken Niles to tell you about the soup sensation of the year, my special favorite, Campbell's Chicken Soup. And you'll know what a sensation it has made since it's been so greatly improved, but I tell you that women all across the country are buying three times as much of it as they did only a short while ago. Am I enthusiastic about Campbell's Chicken Soup? Ah, you bet I am. And I'll say this, you'll find that it lives up to everything I've ever said about it. It's delicious home-like flavor. It's slowly simmered broth that fairly glistens with golden chicken richness. The pieces of tender chicken meat in it and the snowy rice and delicate seasoning. It's a fact I've never known any person to be disappointed in Campbell's Chicken Soup, no matter how high they set their expectations. So set your expectations high. Ask your grocer tomorrow for the sixth sensation of the year, Campbell's Chicken Soup. And out tonight, Gracie Allen, I'm afraid, is going to honor the city of New Orleans. So, here they are, George and Gracie.
11: Thank you. Thank you very much. Well,
15: Jessie, Say how do.
7: How do, George?
15: Well, now, say something to the boys.
7: Oh, what do you want me to say to them?
15: Well, why don't you say something you think the boys would like?
7: Something the boys would like? Yeah. Uh, boys, Gene Harlow. Oh.
15: Uh, thank uh, Now, I think you want to say hello to New Orleans. Why? Why? Ken Miles just told the people that you were going to say something about New
7: Orleans. Oh, don't listen to Ken Niles. That's just gossip.
8: Hmm.
7: And, and gossip is nothing but idle rumors. And idle rumors are rumors that can't pay their room rent. And, and New Orleans uh, is a...
15: Gracie, Gracie, are you talking about rumors or rumors?
7: Rumors are rumors. Rumors are rumors. 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 Say, that reminds me... They're making such a fuss over Simone Simone. Simone Simone. Yeah.
15: Well, she has two names that sound exactly alike. Oh
7: yeah. What about the three Say, uh,
15: Tony, uh, Tony, I need a little help. George, don't count on me tonight. I'm in the middle of a picture and talk about hard work. Do you know that from nine o'clock this morning until seven o'clock tonight, I've done nothing but kiss Alice's face. Well. Nice work, if you can get it. I don't mean that kissing Alice Faye isn't swell, but it just works for me during the day and takes all the romance out of me for my date tonight.
8: Mm.
15: And who've you got a date with tonight? Alice Faye. Alice Faye, we take Faye.
7: Well, I I don't mind, Tony. If you've got a date with Alice Faye tonight, you just keep it. Of course, I was going to ask you to take me home tonight, but... I don't expect you to break your date with Alice Faye, but I do want to tell you that our sponsor phoned me and he said, Gracie, if you're not happy with your new singer, just say the word and we'll get rid of them. That's all. <laughs> That's all. Well, Tony, it looks
15: like you're on a spot. Oh, well, uh, Gracie, I, I haven't exactly got a date with Alice Faye. Oh well, mm-hmm.
7: now Bob, be me fellas, to break up any date no, yes. Tony. Bob,
11: be me first.
7: <laughs> You, you just keep your dates with Alice Fay, especially tonight, while you still got a salary coming in. Hmm.
15: Tracy, when did the sponsor phone
7: you? Oh, uh, oh, you don't have to worry, George. You think you're well.
15: Hmm. You're sure he's going to let me stay on the program?
7: Oh, sure. As a matter of fact, you can even go out with Alice Fay, and nothing will happen. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Gracie, I have an idea that maybe you like Tony Martin. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you think of the serious things, joke. Don't I? <laughs> yes. Well, I was out with a very adorable man last night.
15: Is that so? Mm. I suppose it's some relative?
7: No, not yet. It's Clark able. <laughs>
15: Not yet. Clark
7: Were You were out with Clark Abel last night? Well, it's better than staying home alone. I think so. Well, here's what happened. I was at a party minding my own business, and Clark Abel came over, and he said, uh, he said, are you Gracie Allen? And I said, yes. And he said, "Uh, how about sitting on my lap, Gracie? And I figured he wasn't sitting at it, and I had to sit someplace. So you
15: sat down on his lap. Yes, Yes. and
7: then my mother hollered. She said, Gracie, get up. Get up. Did you get up? Oh, yeah. I jumped up and I had breakfast, and I said to my mother, I said, why did you wake me up, Mama? You <laughs> spoiled mm-hmm. well, a beautiful dream, I told her.
15: You said that to your yeah. Oh, you dreamt you were out with Clark Cable. Sure. Did you ever dream you went out with me?
7: No, I never have nightmares. Well, that's
15: a pretty thought. Uh, Gracie, as long as you're dreaming, how about dreaming I'm taking you to the Brown Derby restaurant tonight?
7: Oh, thanks, Tony, but that place is too crowded. Mm.
15: You can't dream you're going to the Brown Derby restaurant because it's too crowded? Oh,
7: yeah. I had to stand up in bed two hours the other night waiting to get a table.
15: Well, you ought to make your reservations before you go to bed. Either that or go to bed earlier so that you could get there sooner. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah.
7: You know, once I dreamt I was invited to the White House to visit President and but I didn't go. Why?
11: Well,
7: I wasn't dressed properly for it. I see.
15: I see. Well, you ought to go to some exclusive foyer in your dreams and get yourself a full coat.
7: Oh, I saw a beautiful mink coat last night that I liked.
15: Was it a dream?
7: Oh, I say it was a dream, and only $2,500, too. Mm.
15: Well, when you go to sleep tonight, just dream that I bought it for you. Oh,
7: thanks. Yes. Yeah. You know, Daddy jumped together a pearl necklace for me the other night. Is that so? Yes, and then the dream cops came and arrested him. Hmm, I think.
15: Took him away in a little dream wagon.
7: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that was about six months ago, and Daddy was still dreaming.
15: In bed, huh? No, in jail. In jail, that's your daddy. That's. Gracie, don't you ever dream about me?
7: Oh, sure, Henry. I-, I dreamt about you last night.
11: You did? Mm-hmm.
7: I dreamt I was out dancing with you, but when I woke up, I discovered it was my little neck pounding my feet with a hammer. darling. Mm. Come
11: on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
15: tonight. Well, that was twelve, Tony. Well, I'm glad you liked your stay, uh, Gracie. We're honoring New Orleans tonight, remember? So far, you haven't said anything about it.
7: Well, Ken, if you think I haven't said anything about New Orleans so far, I just till you hear this. Ready, boys? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Now, honest, A praise to that great, gigantic, colossal, tremendous, lovely, great little New Orleans. <laughs> It's 2,000 miles from Los Angeles. It's 15 hours from Dallas. It's 16 days from Christmas. And when you hear the time, it will be 16 minutes to 9 o'clock. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that's from New Orleans? Yes, it's too Quiet,
15: days. quiet. Gracie, did you know that New Orleans is one of the healthiest cities in the world?
7: Oh, not anymore, Tony. I understand people are dying there this year that never died before.
15: Yes, and people are dying in Boston and Seattle, too.
7: Yeah, and they aren't anywhere near New Orleans either. You know, I know one thing. Yeah, that's very funny, Judge. Well, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, yes, you have
15: Oh, Gracie, here's a telegram that just came for you.
7: Hey. Well, well, let's listen to this. Uh, Gracie Allen, pardon my southern accent, but you're nuts. <laughs> Signed the mayor of New Orleans. Oh, isn't that to you, George? You <laughs> hardly know me, either. That's what you think. Uh, Ken, before the people of New
15: Orleans smash their radios, will you say something sensible about the city? Oh, I'm glad to. <laughs> New Orleans, which is sometimes called the Crescent City, is the largest seaport in the Gulf of Mexico. I can see it now, surrounded by its fields of cotton. Oh, yeah.
7: and you don't get cotton out of a field. No? You get it out of a little blue box with a red cross on it.
15: Yeah, but where does the cotton come from?
7: From the drugstore. You have to raise cotton first. Our huh? uh, drugstore raises cotton? <laughs> Your drugstore raises cotton? Yeah, just raise those little 10-cent packages for 20 cents.
11: Go ahead, Jane. <laughs> New Orleans... Hey, hey, wait, wait a, a minute. minute. Wait a minute. Oh, my, Tony,
7: think, wait, you... everybody. Tony is going to talk. Oh, uh, what is it, Tony? Well,
15: uh, my great-grandfather owned the first cotton gin in Louisiana. But, Gracie doesn't know what cotton gin is.
7: Well, my daddy probably does. He drinks anything. <laughs>
15: Oh, I say he drinks
7: cotton gin, huh? Well, sure. When you drink cotton gin, you get a white nose instead of a red nose. Uh,
15: please, Ken. And New Orleans has three fine universities. Loyola, New Orleans, and Tulane.
7: Tulane? Well, that's my very favorite saying. It's one that, of the Tulane Islanders. is your
15: favorite thing. Yes,
7: you know that old saying, it's never too late, Tulane. Mm-hmm. It's
15: never too late, to Tulane? <laughs> Gracie, another telegram.
7: Ray oh, you've got
11: this week.
7: Let me read it, Henry. Oh, maybe it's a telegram. I be, yes,
15: maybe it's a telegram.
7: Oh, it is a telegram. It's a telegram, Ray oh, O'Leary. It's from the grocers of New Orleans. Oh, listen to this. Gracie Allen, when Major Bo's out of New Orleans, we grocers sold forty thousand cans of coffee. Now, Tonight, with you honoring New Orleans, we grocers sold eighty thousand cans of coffee. <laughs> well, now that ought to show Major Bo who's who on the radio. <laughs> sound a bit
11: like
7: an owl. It isn't
15: who's who on the radio, you mean who's through on the radio. George, we're selling Campbell's chicken soup. That's what you think.
7: Oh, I think that's the nicest wire that's ever been sent to me. I wonder what it means.
15: It means they want us to play a little game where you jump into the Mississippi River and pretend you're swimming And after you go, I pretend I'm sorry.
7: Oh, now, why doesn't Tony say things like that to me? Say that, Tony. Go ahead,
15: Ken. Oh, thanks. New Orleans has some of the most historical buildings in America. Well, that's what
7: I hear, too, Ken. Now, I'd like to see those beautiful drapes in the Saratoga Street Jail.
15: Beautiful drapes in
7: the Saratoga Street Jail? Well, that's what it said in the guidebook for tourists. It said that the Saratoga Street Jail is noted for its (laughs) hanging. Well, I suppose your daddy would
15: feel right at home in that job. Oh, sure,
7: he'd soon get onto the ropes. Well, that certainly is news to me. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, um, I don't get it.
15: Ladies and gentlemen, Henry King and his orchestra will play "Sweetheart." Let's grow old together. Come on, please.
7: Oh, now wait, Henry. George, I forgot the biggest moment in New Orleans history. I was born in New Orleans not so long ago. Mm, I
15: get it, yes, yes. And how many times have I got to remind you that you were born in San Francisco? Oh,
7: please, George. For tonight's program, I'm getting $100 to say I was born in New Orleans. But
15: who's paying you a $100? San
7: Francisco.
15: Play Henry? <laughs> The greatest advertisement for Campbell's Chicken Soup has never been written. It has never been spoken over the radio. It's what women are telling one another about it. And it's this spontaneous, enthusiastic, word-of-mouth advertising that accounts for the amazing growth and popularity of this wonderful soup everywhere. Think of it. Three cans of Campbell's Chicken Soup are being bought today for every one bought a short time ago. That's right, three times as much. And here's why. Delicious home flavors. Campbell's use all the good tender meat of plump chicken. And every woman knows what that means, chicken soup. And don't I know, too. Every delightful spoonful has that beat-down chicken deliciousness that makes everybody want more. And I ought to know because good old-fashioned chicken soup has always been my special favorite. And that's the kind you get every time you ask for Campbell's Chicken Soup. Why not do that tomorrow? Well, I'm a little bit worried. Gracie is standing right here with some more honors for New Orleans.
7: Well, why worry, Ken? You know things aren't hardly ever as bad as they seem not to be.
15: Things aren't hardly ever as bad as they seem not to be?
7: Yes, and even if they weren't, it wouldn't be anything to worry about unless there were.
15: Well, that's as clear as the Mississippi mud. Tracy, another telegram. Oh, oh. Uh, Who
11: is it from?
7: Oh, Western Union of Postal. Who else could it be from? read Rita. Oh, listen to this, boys. We, the citizens of New Orleans, have been listening to your program honoring our city. And we can hardly wait to hear the finish so we can listen to Freddie Allen. Oh, isn't that nice from George? They're even like Freddie Allen, too. Mm,
15: so does Portland Hopper.
7: Well, I don't blame him. He's good enough to kiss.
15: Who, Freddie Allen? No,
7: Tony Martin.
15: Look, Gracie, you don't ask a man for a hug and a kiss. No? Yeah? Nice girls don't do that. Oh. Hug and a kiss. Even if you want a hug and a kiss, you've got to be subtle. Sort of hint at it so that the audience doesn't understand it.
7: Oh, well, hint? Yeah. Uh, Tony? Yes, Daisy? Tony, if you're tired, you can rest your lips against mine.
15: Well, that's very subtle. Uh, listen, Daisy, don't think I'm temperamental. I, I'd really like to kiss you, but I'm just not in the mood for kissing anybody. Stop it. Stop it. We're supposed to be honoring New Orleans.
7: Oh, now, George, please, that is nice. You shouldn't be rude to Tony? Especially when this might be his last night on the program.
15: Why, it might. Gracie, Tony Martin just came to work on this program. Well,
7: you better get to work then.
15: Mm. Well, I always thought that whoever I kiss would be my business.
7: Well, then you better do what I ask. You tell me if you expect to stay in business, if you know what I mean.
15: Yeah, I'm sort of catching on. Uh, Gracie, why should Tony Martin kiss
7: you? Oh, that's right, George. Why should he kiss me? After all, who am I compared with Alice Gray? Yes. I don't amount to anything. I'm only an insignificant little girl who hires and fires the singers. That's all. Oh, that's all, Henry. That's all.
15: Gracie, how about me? I'll kiss you. Oh,
7: thanks, Henry, but you better kiss George. She hires the officer leaders.
15: Uh, look, Gracie, I don't like to hear you talk, but as long as you're going to talk, say something about New Orleans. I thought I'd remind you. Oh,
7: I'll right. remind you sometimes.
15: I'll remind you now. Uh, how about a guest of honor?
7: Oh, thanks, Judge. Did I just <laughs> Oh,
15: I don't know. Say, I've got an idea. Maybe there's somebody in the audience from New Orleans.
7: Oh, yeah, maybe there's somebody in the audience from New Orleans. That's a great idea. And well, why do I have to think of everything? Uh, uh, quiet, quiet.
15: Thanks, then, Ladies and gentlemen, if there's anybody in the audience from New Orleans that would like to come up on the platform as our guest... We'd be delighted. Well, bill-
7: I'm from New Orleans, mister. Oh, George, step and fetch it.
15: Step and fetch Um,
7: uh,
15: would you mind stepping up to the microphone, please?
7: So now. Mm. So you're from New Orleans, huh? Eh? Yes, sir. I was born and raised in New Orleans. And my mother and father were born there before me. Well, if they're your mother and father, they'd have to be born before you. Yes. Mm. Uh,
15: well, uh, will you tell us something about New Orleans? Uh, what street were you born on? Uh, a Street.
7: What street? Chappatoolist. A, Chapitulis. a Chapitulis. Stop <laughs> there, <sir.
11: laughs>
15: Tracy, a Chapitulis is a very famous thoroughfare.
7: Oh, it sounds very romantic. If I ever get in New Orleans, I'd like to rent a little rose covered cottage on, um, um, uh, uh, how do you say, Chuck?
15: Chapatula. T-C-H-O-U-P-O-T. Uh, no, uh, Oh, no, no, no. H-O-P-A-C-T. No, no, no. A-S-H-O-T. Now, wait
11: a minute. No, no. T-A-O-U-P-O-T.
7: Wait a minute. move over on Canal Street.
15: I think so, too. I don't know your name, miss, but I'm glad you stepped up here this evening. You know, I've always wanted to meet a real southern belle.
7: Oh, Miss yes. <laughs> Tony, why don't you do give the belle a very sometime?
15: <laughs> Never mind. Miss, what is the population of New Orleans?
7: Well, I don't know exactly. Being a river and Seaport City... New Orleans has a great floating population. A floating population? Mm-hmm. Well, I bet a lot of them can swim on the summit too. Mm. I wouldn't
15: be a bit surprised.
7: New Orleans makes a lot of friends with its hospitality. It has some very fine restaurants and... Oh, I know you'd love our muddy Gras. Well, i never have a taste it, but I'd just better it's delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
15: Well, shut my zipper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, George, here's another guest of honor mm-hmm. that came up from the audience. Oh, well, this way, please. You uh, talk, you talk. Right, do, do I talk right in here, Mister? Yeah, right like there. Well, now if I do, you just tell me. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> right. Now, now, of course, uh, you know I've never spoken on radio before, and I'm awfully nervous. You see that? Yes. As a matter of fact, I've never talked before an audience before. Mm. I, see, I never talk much, very much at home. I'm kind of a man of few words. Yeah, a few thousand. A few thousand. <laughs> Uh, now, mister. Yes, sir. I was just coming to that, Mr. Yeah, Burns. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. now, now, being New Orleans is a seaport in a river city, it, is, it has a great floating population. And it makes a lot of friends with its hospitals, and it has many fine restaurants. And you'll just love our Mardi Gras. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The little lady here just told us all of that. Yes, sir. That's where I learned it. <laughs> Well, our program is coming to an end, and I want to thank you people very much for coming up here tonight. Well, if you really want to thank Mr. Burns, here's the way I figured out you can do it. When I get back to New Orleans, I'd like to have something to show that I've really been to Hollywood, and I thought maybe you and Miss Burns, Miss Allen, I mean, (laughs) could give me something that I could take back home as a souvenir.
7: Well, uh, Mr., how would you like a nice, live movie star? A a real live movie star? Well, if y'all ain't kidding, then a show would be very ha- make me very happy. Right, <laughs> sure, it would make me very happy, too.
15: Uh, uh, Gracie, what live movie star are you going to give this man that'll make you both so happy?
7: Alice Fay. Oh, Alice
11: Fay, Henry, the movie star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gracie, when well, my... mm-hmm. I with a grain Thank you,
7: he takes me with the grain of salt I never know where I stand He never takes me seriously Or even rolls my hand. My never takes me with the grain of salt He won't believe what I say He got me seriously he starts to fall away My love was there Get me nowhere I'm going really so. to not the man i the please. I'm not to you I'm you i you you i i to i not you my sister takes me with a grain of salt. To treats me like I was lost. We play around so scandalously. I feel like I will die. My sister takes me with a grain of salt. You think I was done for you? We are succeeding personally. Like there's a wall between. I've got no outer No We just all of you. I wish you had a bit of another purpose to my spirit, because with the of Why doesn't you that? i want turn that Why doesn't you just
15: Every year, we hear a lot about Christmas deals, one of the finest causes for raising funds to help sick, needy people. But many of us don't think to do something about it until it's too late. This year, won't you do just this one thing? See that every Christmas letter and package you send carries a Christmas seal. The makers of those fine Campbell soups invite you to listen in and laugh with George Burns and JC Allen again next Wednesday. And meanwhile, remember that you can have the finest chicken soup you ever tasted simply by asking for Campbell's Chicken Soup. You'll find it to be the delicious... Nourishing old fashioned. Well, Gracie,
7: say goodnight to everybody. Oh, no, wait, Judge. I forgot to read them my proverb. Proverb?
15: Mm hmm. You mean proverb.
7: Well, I know, but this is a proverb in verse. It's my proverb. So
15: it's a proverb. Yes. Well, let's
7: hear uh, oh, it. Proverb. Although it's very foolish, I've often heard it said you can drive a horse to water, but a pencil must be learned. Oh, you've made that up, weren't So, girls, don't drive your husband to eat. Let nature take its car. Just give him Campbell's chicken soup, and he'll eat just like a horse. That's New Orleans. Good night, all.
15: This is the Time to
12: (laughs) Live. Your station is K-H-J, Don
15: Lee, Los Angeles. Time signal courtesy Schaefer Pen and Pencil Company. Settle that perplexing Christmas gift problem with a genuine Schaefer dry-proof fountain pen desk set. A gift that will delight anyone. There are over 100 Schaefer desk set designs, a style and price to fit every budget. Only $5 up. The tone indicates 1 minute and 15 seconds
0: past 9. Looking for a book that combines the Christian faith with a fantasy adventure? Creators Call does just that. Eighteen-year-old Edward has been raised with tales of distant lands where dragons and other strange beasts dwell. He dreams of one day joining the keepers, who fight against them to keep the land safe, however, life's obstacles keep him firmly rooted in the small town of Cadestone. When seventeen-year-old June comes passing through, following a dream given to her by the creator of the universe, Edward's life is about to change. Pursued by a demon-possessed man, the two of them are forced to flee to areas where dragons and monsters are not just tales but reality. June and Edward eventually discover what the demons want from them. Is it possible to defeat this evil and save everyone from the darkness that threatens their lands? Creator's Call is a Christian fantasy novel with clear Christian messages. A book that glorifies God while taking you on an adventure. Pick up a copy of Creator's Call today.
13: The program you are about to hear is fiction, science fiction. We make no guarantees, however, how long it will remain fiction. Exploring tomorrow.
16: And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind, the editor of astounding science fiction magazine, John Campbell, Jr., dreams are a remarkable thing, a remarkable power of the human mind. Freud, the psychoanalytical school, is held very important. But there's one aspect of dreaming that they deny, they overlook perhaps. That's tonight's story. (whistles) If someone handed you a photograph of a man's face... do you know who this is? Suppose that was a photograph of yourself 20 years from now. You'd have an awful hard time recognizing that. We can recognize a picture of something that we have seen, but it's impossible to recognize something that we haven't yet seen. Let's say we have a patient who comes into an analyst's office A badly frightened man. A shock. My name is Jim Bedford. I I got your name from the National Health Trust. They say you're the quick shock analyst they'd recommend in this area. It's nice of the Health Trust to say that. Builds up my morale in these troubled post-war times. They speak very highly of you. I feel so darn silly running to a psychiatrist. That's for old ladies. Maybe we better forget it. I've got a lot of pressing work that I should really should be taking Let's care. Let's see, Mr. Bedford. Now, according to the data you gave my secretary, you're with the State War Reclaimed Bureau. Yes, that's, that's right. I'm regional director. I've been with the Bureau all my adult life since 1971, since the Doom War. It must be rewarding work watching the radioactive ash cleared away, houses and stores springing up again after so many decades, seeing the city itself come back from the rubble knowing you could take a good share of the credit. That's going to be a long task, another generation. Sit down and you tell me about it. No couch? I thought all you psychoanalysts had couches. (laughs) This office building was lucky to escape being hit. Yes, it's one of the few pre-war buildings left in this part of Sacramento. Matter of fact, it was your war reclaim bureau that loaned my family the money to rebuild. Doctor, why is this happening to me? What am I going to do? I, I have to stay at my job. Nobody else can do it. Nobody else knows this area the way I do. Nobody knows the people here the way I do. You were born here, William? Yes, I've lived in Sacramento all my life. What is it that's bothering? I... I have some kind of hallucination. It keeps getting worse. I've tried to shake it, but it comes back bigger and stronger. Now it's getting so I can't work. I can't do my job. I'm starting up recall-inducing equipment, Mr. Betsy. It'll put you in a state of semi-sleep for a few moments. I'd like you to tell me what this hallucination is. Then maybe I can tell you why you have it. And maybe help you do. Just through all these damaged inventories. Must be a million of them stuck in the basket today alone. Oh, I ought to quit and go to bed and get some sleep. Where's the report on that mutant rat they've been killing? One that spins webs. Better okay the extermination program. Poisoned grain probably be best if it eats grain. Probably have to ask for federal aid. Not enough funds to do the job right. I'll okay the extermination and hope they can raise the funds. Bad enough to have ordinary rodent infestation, plague carriers, the worst possible sanitation menace. Menace? Huh? Oh, it's you, Giller. How did you get into my apartment? Front door was unlocked. I'm sorry to interrupt your work. Well, I was about to stop. What time is it? Past midnight. You want a beer? I'm going to have one. Tapping so valuable grain off to make beer in these times of need. It must be nice to be a big wheel and have luxuries. Your own stove, refrigerator. You know, I haven't had beer since last May. You'll survive. You've always managed to. Trade some of that black market coffee of yours or some of those eggs from your chickens. You know, we lost all our chickens. That blood disease from the old H-bomb blast. Take a look at this. Your application for aid? Turned down. I know. Why? Don't ask me why. I. Oh, okay, okay. I'm the responsible person. I turned it down. You and I have been friends since we were kids. So what? You get a kick out of it, Lord. And over the people you've known. People who were something in the community before the Doom War. People you had to look up to and say sir to. I'm sorry about your poultry farm. I'm sorry for all the poultry raisers, you included. And the beef raisers and the walnut growers. But certain things have to be rebuilt before others. Heavy industry comes first. factories, steel and cement and fuel producers, synthetic fabric. Where are your people? Good night, Giller. Write me a letter on the proper form. I'll talk to you in a few days about my application for aid. Maybe you'll change your mind. Come around. ever got that farm going, he'd be the biggest black market operator in California. Five bucks a piece for great eggs, and he knows where to get it. Everybody trying to swing a deal, make money, cash in on people's hunger. I wonder if he's really gone, or if he's hanging around outside. People like him get on my nerves. i better go see a picture that the patient has some kind of fear of a basic insecurity, a feeling that he's faced with a problem that he must solve and can't solve. But he's got to solve it. But he can't solve it. But it must be solved. Ah! Ah! Mr. Belfort. I'm I'm falling. Help me, I'm falling. No, no, you're not. You're here in my office sitting in a chair. Yes. But I was falling. I started to go out of my apartment. I opened the door to the hall, and there wasn't any floor under my feet, just emptiness. And I tried to grab hold of something, and there wasn't anything, nothing at all, anywhere. Just darkness. What happened next? Were you hurt? Doctor, how could I have been hurt? was just in my mind. Maybe I stumbled or something, but I didn't fall because there was no place to fall. A momentary dizziness from all the work fatigue. Yes, yes, maybe. And since then, you've had a fear of falling. A phobia. Phobia. phobia that's... about high places. Okay, Mr. Bedford, let's try another recall. <laughs> now, this time, I want you to remember more about the falling <laughs> and your friend Gillard.
8: Stop it! Don't kill me! Don't throw me over the rail, please!
16: Shut up! Well, you probably think I'm going to give you one last chance before we toss you off this ranch. not my fault. I tried to get funds, jurors short on funds. Terrible task ahead. He can't hear you. Bedford, I came to you and begged you to okay our application, but you turned us down. You did all you could to block it. Black market rabble. Police never seem to get you all. Probably bought off. That's right. Bought off. Now, look, Bedford, for old time's sake, you want to get in on this along with us. I'll let you in. I have a sentimental feeling towards you. I think you sincerely felt you shouldn't okay our application. I never will. Even if you kill me. Oh, you mean that? I've got my job. Responsibility. Heavy industry comes first. Remember when there were eggs, how the shells looked when they were dropped? Remember how it felt to crush the egg shell underfoot? How did that old nursery rhyme go about putting the pieces of the shell back together? But the way Bedford, we're making sure the next regional director isn't so devoted to heavy industry. We're getting in somebody with, uh, shall we say, an agricultural frame of mind? Okay, let's finish this up and get going. Get him over the rails almost a mile to the ground. How could a thing like this happen to me and be forgotten? Can a person forget being knocked down, kicked, and threatened with death? It wasn't forgotten. It remained buried beneath, repressed. We'll have to try some more recall, Mr. Bedford. So far, I don't have enough to go on. Now, this business of Giller and his men beating and terrorizing you provides what's called the traumatic incident the moment of fear that starts the chain reaction of repression going. But, uh, are you willing to try another recall? Not now, Doctor. We shouldn't stop at this point. I, I couldn't stand anymore. Tomorrow, maybe. We'd better go on now, Mr. Bedford. Now, from what you recalled, I got an impression that there's no time to waste. I don't think they just beat you up and threatened you. I think they did throw you over the rail to your death. I think they killed you. All right, Doctor. I'll let you start your recall-inducing gadget again, but... Don't... Don't make me go back to that moment. Something else. I couldn't stand to see them standing there above me. Higher and higher, and then the ramp and the railing disappearing. This time, I'd like you to think of something pleasant satisfying. Perhaps a day in your work when you were particularly pleased with what you accomplished. The public baths. Kids splashing around, lots of hot water. Wonder how many of us would be dead by now. Dead from contamination from the perpetual fallout if we hadn't built those huge pools and fountains over there. It's the hardest decision I ever made. I felt like a lunatic, giving them the go-ahead. A lot of people were angry about that. But after I saw the figures from the anti-radiation committee, it had to be done. No matter how many people got angry, I know my duty. It's to the whole people, not a few special groups here and there. Uh, You say you okayed the building of mass public baths, and you actually stood and watched the people bathing. That's right. Togas, like ancient times. Mr. Bedford, I want you to listen to me carefully. I have something important to say to you. What's what's wrong, Doctor? Well, as a licensed general practitioner, I've been interested in the idea of public baths as an anti-radiation measure. In my opinion, it's a sound idea. But the proposal hasn't yet been put through. No baths have been built. Hmm? It'll be at least five years before the baths can be put into operation. The usual interpretation doesn't quite check. Sometimes the dream isn't quite usual. If a man has a dream of the future, it's awfully hard to identify its source because the source hasn't happened yet. Tell me, Bedford, uh, you were exposed to a great deal of radiation in the early part of your life, and so were your parents. That's right. We all were. We all went through the blasts and the heavy fallout of the war, the contamination of our food, water, homes, clothing. Do you remember any unusual exposure, either to you or to your parents, radiation approaching a dangerous maximum? I... uh... Let me, let me try to remember. I, I'm confused. You think I'm some sort of a freak. Stop sitting there in the chair insulting yourself. You have to make plans. Plans? <laughs> There's nothing I can do. There's no way I can stop him. Try to remember any toxic dose of radiation, especially in the earliest part of your life. Now go back to the enemy missile attack. Sirens. Can you hear sirens? You're possibly running toward a shelter. Your family running, too. Across the field, maybe. I'm sorry, Doctor. I've had all I can take. I'll see you again some other time. You're leaving? Thanks for the help. I've got to consider all this. Maybe I'm not remembering the future. Maybe it's just a false memory, a neurotic fantasy. How could we check? If it's really in the future. What's the matter? I... I can't get up. What? I can't stand up. I'm afraid I'll fall. Doctor, now I can't even get to my feet. Well, make yourself comfortable in your chair and we'll go on with the therapy as I said we should. I guess I have no choice. Now, you know what we're after this time. At some point in your life, you apparently were exposed to a near-toxic dose of radiation. (laughs) For me. Hey, don't leave me behind. Come on back. Hey, Tony, wait for me. I uh, am yeah.
11: okay. Let's get down.
16: Get the metal lid off and listen. They're almost here. Get the lid of the shelter up so we can get down there and be safe. You scared, Jimmy? Yes, yes. Open that way. Not in here. You apologize for what you said in class the other day. You said my family moved here because they thought nobody would bomb this sector. You said my family was scared of being bombed. Okay, let's see. Yes, I remember. When Tony and I were kids during the war. We got the scuffling, seeing who was braver. And while we were scuffling, the first warhead exploded a couple of miles up the coast. So that's where you got the near toxic dose. Yes. The whole place was saturated. Hot. They had to rope off the rubble, close the roads. I was in the hospital for oh, a month, down in the underground medical wards along with the real casualties. Weren't you a real casualty? Oh, no, I wasn't hurt. They made all the tests. They found no sign of tissue damage. Blood count okay, bone marrow unaffected, no cancerous formations. But now you know you were affected. Yes. I was affected. Now listen to me, Mr. Bedford. You still have time to re-examine your dealings with Giller. You mean give him the Bureau funds he wants so he can set up his black market operations? No, Dr. Sharp. I have my responsibility to the people of this area. Those funds have to be given to the proper applicants. Even if it means your life? Yes, even if it means my life. I'm still not going to give Giller the funds. I respect you, Mr. Bedford. I can see why the government gave you the job. I've tried to do it right. I feel proud of what I've done. Hygienic baths, evidently I'll be successful there. That alone makes it worthwhile. I don't feel too depressed. All in all, it was worth it. A lot of people died in the war. My death comes a number of years later, but, well, I can possibly consider it as a bona fide war death with honor. Hey, look, I can stand up now. I'm on my feet. Bringing up that material about the radiation exposure must have done it. Do you intend to come back again and see me? No, there doesn't seem to be much of a reason. I'd like to keep on trying. Maybe there's a junction of possible futures, some point in time at which we can deflect the future that's waiting for you. Ah, I'll think about it. All right, Doctor, and thanks a lot for trying. My name is is Tony Giller. I'm sorry to bother you, but this constitutes an emergency. I I got... Well, it's a compulsion. And it's following up my life. Sit down. Tell me about it. I I, I have an irresistible urge to push people. Push people? Towards windows. Out. What am I going to do, Doc? There was this little shrimp of a guy I pushed once, and one day a girl was staring ahead of me on an escalator, and I shoved her. She was injured. I'm afraid I'll eventually kill somebody someday. Some perfectly harmless person who never did anything
8: wrong in his life.
16: of anything. A stone has no sense of futurity, no sense of a future to control, and wherefore it has no fear. If you can feel fear, it means that you can sense the future. To the extent that you can sense the future, you can control it. You don't have to be stuck with any particular future. If you take the trouble to dream about the future, then you have a chance to do something about the future. If you don't like atomic wars, you have a chance to do something about it, provided you dream that it's there. Nightmare or not, you have a chance to do something.
17: Where did he go? That way, down through the garden. The storm. It's so dark, you can't see. Dr. Rudd, there. There, at the bottom of the terrace. Professor
2: Laborde. Laborde, why I... Oh, good Lord. What is it? He, he must have fallen down the steps, broken his neck. He...
18: He's dead.
19: Is darkest, our fears the strongest, and our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open, and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Kabbalah. Now, Murder at Midnight, Tales of Mystery and Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by Ron Newman is The Kabbalah. A rambling house on the outskirts of a small university town, and in the house a room that seems more like the cell of a medieval alchemist than the study of a college professor. Its walls lined with ancient volumes and astrolabes and other curious instruments. Bent over his desk, Dr. Rudd does not hear the knock on the door at first. But when it's repeated, he says, Come in.
14: Alan's going, Father. He wanted to say goodnight to you.
19: Oh... Yes, Adam. Good night. I was terribly sorry to hear about
17: the decision of the Board of Trustees, sir. I mean, they're refusing to give you a grant to go on with your research.
18: Oh, that. Well, it doesn't matter. I've decided to give up the whole project anyway. Your book? Yes.
14: Father, you're not serious. I I thought you were almost finished with it.
18: I am. All but the last chapter. I just can't seem to write that without additional research. And without the last chapter, I... The rest of the book is meaningless.
17: Oh, isn't there anyone you could talk to about it, sir? Anyone who could
18: help you? I doubt it, Alan. I think I know as much about the occult as anyone in the world. Except perhaps one man.
14: Who is that, Father?
18: The man I studied under at the University of Paris. And I haven't heard from him in over ten years. I'm not even sure that he's still alive. (laughs) Too bad this is the twentieth century, not the twelfth.
17: How so, Dr. Rudd?
18: Oh, it would have been very simple then a pentacle, a pair of corpse candles, and I could summon up someone who would make things very easy for me. Yes, right now, I really believe I would sell my soul for the help I need.
14: Father, you mustn't say things like that, even as a joke.
18: <laughs> well, you're right, Barbara. And no one knows it better than I. Well, good night, Alan. See you in the morning. Right, Dr. Rod. Good night. <laughs>
14: walk you down to the road, Alan.
17: Oh, fine, dear. Pretty depressed, isn't he?
14: Father? Yes. Not that I blame him. Four years' work. The definitive book on occultism, the supernatural. <gasps> Alan!
17: Yes, I see it too. Someone or something lying in the road. Come on.
14: So strangely.
17: Looks like an Arab. Wonder what he's doing around here. Anyway, he seems in a bad way. Here, I'll carry him into the house. You run ahead and tell your father.
8: All
18: right. Here, Adam, in my study. All right. They put him on the couch. What's wrong with him? Well,
17: it's hard to say, but I think it's just
18: exhaustion. Uh-oh. Oh, his pulse is very weak. Barbara, call Dr. Stevens.
14: Of course, Father. I... He's opening his eyes.
9: Where? What is this place?
18: No, it's all right. You're among friends. We're sending for a doctor.
9: Doctor. Uh, oh, you're kind, but it's too late. Allah stretches his hand out for me. Nonsense.
17: All you need is some food, rest. No, and...
9: no, I, I'm dying. But... If you are indeed friends, one last request. Will you grant it?
18: If we possibly can.
9: I am a Hajj, a Sufi. I come of a long, ancient line. Will you see that I get proper
14: burial? Oh, yes, of course. I have no gold, uh, money, but. uh, He's fainting. Loose this rope, Alan.
18: Right.
17: Mm. Say, he's got something hidden here. A parchment scroll. But... The
8: cabal. You,
9: You've taken the cabal.
8: It's all right. No,
9: no, no you must not. It's accursed. Into the fire. Destroy it. If you use it. Father. Uh...
8: Yes.
18: Yes, he's dead. May his soul rest in peace.
17: You're very quiet tonight, Dr. Rudd, thinking about the funeral.
18: Huh? Our Arab friend. Oh, uh, yes, Alan, partly. And partly about this, this this parchment he had hidden in his room. It seems to be a form of the Kabbalah.
14: That's right. That's what he called it when he got so excited. wanted you to destroy it. The Kabbalah is just the science of letters and numbers, isn't it?
17: Mm, It's much more than that, Barbara. It's the science of the mystical attributes of letters and numbers. The business for almost all occultism.
18: But this system is different from any I ever saw before.
14: Different? How?
18: Well, this particular system tells how a question can be written out, the letters changed into numbers and manipulated. And when the numbers are changed back into letters, they will answer the question. Listen, Professor,
17: what do you say we try it? Try it? Sure. Of course, it's a lot of nonsense,
18: but, well, why not? Oh, well, all right. This paper and pencil's on my Uh,
14: desk. What are you going to ask, Father?
18: Oh, something simple, something we can check. Me? I'm going
17: to ask something really practical. Okay, Professor, let's go.
14: How are you coming,
18: Father? Almost finished. Now, let's see... Zadek, Mem, Vav. Great Scott. What is it? Look at this. Here's my question. Will we have any visitors today?
14: Mm-hmm.
18: And here's the answer. Two visitors. Professor Laborde and someone else.
14: Professor Laborde?
18: Do you remember my telling you yesterday that there was one person in the world who could give me the help I needed to finish my book? Yes. That man was Professor Lord.
14: Father, you you don't really believe it, do you?
18: I don't know. I told you I haven't seen or heard from him in ten years. But just Hmm. the same... Dr. Rudd,
17: look. Hmm? Look here, I got something, too.
14: What is it, Alan?
17: Well, here's my question. How can the professor (laughs) get the money to continue with his research? Yes. Here's the answer. Call Mark Endicott. What?
14: Of course. Why don't you, Father... He's always been interested in you and your work.
18: Well, I just never thought of it. I'll go in and call him right away.
14: Well, Father, did you get him?
11: Yes.
18: Yes, it's... It's very strange. In what way? He said that he'd been thinking about me a good deal lately and... He's driving out here this evening to see me.
14: There. That's the answer to your question. Two visitors. Professor Laborde and and someone else. Well, he must be the someone else. You think so? Oh, of course.
18: Somehow, I don't. What do you mean, sir? I don't know. Except that I don't like it.
17: beginning to look as if our Kabbalah is a washout after all.
14: What makes you say that?
17: Well, 11 o'clock and no sign
18: of either Laborde or Endicott. I can't understand it. Endicott definitely said that he was driving out here and that he was leaving immediately.
14: He probably changed his mind because of the storm. It's still pretty bad out, isn't it?
18: Yes, but it's not like him. You think he'd phone us and let us know? Oh, perhaps that's he now. Hello? Hello? Yes, this is Professor Rudd speaking. Who? Oh yes. What? But that's impossible. I spoke to him only a few hours ago, and why? Oh, I, I can't believe it. You're sure? Oh, I see. But well, thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
14: Who was it, Father?
18: That was Mark Endicott's attorney. His attorney? What did he want? Mark Endicott was killed at about 6 o'clock this afternoon.
8: Killed?
18: On his way here, an auto accident. His attorney called to tell me Endicott had left me a $5,000 bequest for research. What?
14: Father, the Kabbalah. It said you were to call him for the money to continue your work. It didn't actually say he was coming out here.
18: No. Wait a minute. I mean you really think well, that... I don't know Alan but I do know that if I hadn't called him he wouldn't have started driving here in the storm he wouldn't have had the accident and been killed and I probably wouldn't have gotten the money
14: but father if it's true if it has some sort of supernatural power then what about Professor Labor? it did say he was coming oh,
18: please Barbara, I told you I don't know Endicott was my friend now he's dead and somehow I feel as if
14: I. Father, the door.
18: Yes. Yes, let's. let's see who it
17: is. Great Scott, Professor. If it is Laborde, do you realize what this means? Yes, Adam. If it is, are the things priceless? Absolutely priceless. Well, I hope.
18: I, I beg your pardon. I'm sorry to trouble you. Oh, but... Come in, Professor Laborde. Come in. We've been expecting you for some time now.
19: Ancient manuscript which can foretell the future, a dead man, and a visitor from the dead, as the clock strikes twelve for murder at midnight. Just a moment or two later, and Professor Laborde is being shown into Dr. Rudd's study. In
20: here, Professor Laborde. Barbara, will you take the professor's things?
14: No, of course, Father.
20: Thank you, my dear. You're very kind. But there's something I do not understand, Dr. Rudd. When you opened the door, you said you had been expecting me. Since earlier this afternoon. But that is impossible. Completely impossible. I'm mean, entirely by accident. I had no idea you lived here or anywhere near here. I lost my way in the storm, uh, knocked at your particular door by chance to to ask for directions. Nevertheless, we've been expecting you. Excuse
18: me. How could you have been? Alan. Yes, sir? Show Professor Laborde the Kabbalah, will you, please? Right,
17: Professor. Here you are, sir. Kabbalah.
18: Look at it, Professor. Tell me what you think of it.
20: Uh Interesting. Very interesting. Of course, I cannot be sure without examining it thoroughly. But it appears to be even older than the black grimoire. And its form resembles that of the Key of Solomon.
18: Professor Lamour, it's my belief that it is the Key of
20: Solomon. What? But it can't be. It's been written about for centuries, of course, mentioned in hundreds of works, from Trismegistus down... But there's never been any proof that it ever actually existed. And still, where did you get it? From an old Arab who came
18: here last night and died here.
17: The main thing is, we tested
18: it.
20: Tested it?
18: Yes, we asked two questions. The answer to one of them prophesied your coming here. And the other, well, that came true, too.
20: But this is beyond words. If it's true, then it's the most priceless discovery that has ever... Professor Rudd, may I try it? Use it to ask a question to... Well, I... I don't know, Professor Laborde, I... Please, for years now, ever since I began studying the supernatural, there's been something, one thing I've always said I'd give my life to know. If it can tell me that, you must let me, Rudd. And... You must let me do it while I'm alone. Well, all right. Ah, Good. Come on, Alan,
18: Barbara. We'll wait outside.
17: is it now, Professor?
18: It's 20 hours.
17: Hmm. He's been at it for quite a while.
18: Yes. If he doesn't call us in another minute or two, we'll go in.
14: I'm probably being very silly, but I don't like this, any of it.
18: Why not, Father?
14: I don't know, but... What's that? No! It's Professor Laborde, come on. I...
18: Professor Laborde, what is it? What's happened? What...
14: What are you doing? And he's burning
17: something in the fire. Oh, father,
14: it's his hands. He's holding them in the fire, burning oh, Great
18: Scott, it, Professor
13: Laborde, stop.
18: Stop. So stop. Have you gone mad? Fire.
14: Only
20: fire can burn my hands clean again. I asked. Now I must pay. Laborde. Let me go. Let go. I'm coming. I'll pay. I'll Professor Laborde, come I'll back. Quick,
2: Alan. Okay. Which way did he go? That way.
17: Down through the garden. This stone. It's so dark you can't see. Dr.
2: Rudd. There. There. At the bottom of the terrace. Professor, De board. The board. Why... Oh, oh good lord. Uh, what is it?
20: He...
18: Oh, he must have fallen down the steps. Broken his neck.
12: He... He's dead.
18: Yes, sir.
14: Father, are you sure
18: that... Yes, Barbara, I'm sure. He's dead. But
14: What made him do it, go running out there that way?
17: It, it must have been something to do with the Kabbalah.
18: He was going to ask it a question. Yes, Alan, it has something to do with the Kabbalah. And,
14: and standing there with his hands in the fire, as if he were trying to burn them clean. Father, what was the question he asked? What answer did he get?
18: I think Perhaps I can guess. The old Arab, he
17: warned us, remember? He said it was accursed, evil. But if we used... Wait a minute, Dr. Rudd. Hmm? The board said he'd give his
18: life to know the answer to that question. And now he's dead. Yes, Alan, that's what was in my mind, too. That and one more thing. Do you remember what I said just before you found the old Arab in the garden? that I'd make a pact with the devil, sell my very soul for the help I needed to finish my book?
14: No, Father, you're not serious. You don't mean you really believe it. I've lived
18: too long, my dear, seen too many strange things to disbelieve anything. If the Kabbalah is everything we think it is, if it is the key to the future, to all knowledge, if it can answer any question we put to it, then there are only two sources from which it can draw its power. One good... And one evil. And and you think if God had wished us to be able to foresee the future, we should be able to foresee it. And if it's evil, well, there's usually a penalty involved.
14: Laborde. He said something about pain, too. Who must be paid and how?
18: There's only one way to find out through the Kabbalah itself. Give it to me, Alan.
14: No, please no.
18: I'm sorry, Barbara, I must. There's no need for you to stay here, or Alan.
14: No, Father. We'll stay, both of us.
18: Very well.
19: Then here goes...
17: Shivering, darling. Are you cold? Shall I build up the fire?
14: No, Elna. Not. I'm not cold. What was that?
17: It sounded like the outside door opening. Oh, again. I...
14: father! Father, uh, what is it? Are you finished?
18: Ah, uh, yes, yes, I'm finished. And and what? Look, here's the question:
14: Who must be paid, and how?
18: And here's the answer.
17: Turn around, and you will see.
14: Father, the door, the, the door behind us, it just opened.
18: Yes. I don't dare turn around. You needn't. Right in front of you, there on the wall. Look.
14: Something black, like a stain, a blot. But it's spreading, moving. Like
18: an octopus, or like... It's shadow. It's... It's coming toward us. What what in heaven's name is it? Whatever it is, whatever happens to us, no one shall ever again be cursed as we've been cursed. The Kabara, give it to me.
14: Father, what are you doing?
18: What I should have done when I first saw it. Destroy it. Threw it into the fire. It's coming closer.
17: Closer. Professor, isn't there anything we can do? Anything that... <gasps>
14: Parchment burning. They are in the womb.
18: The shadow of the Andions. In the shape of the crooks on Sutter. The first cross. Good Lord. The shadow, it's wavering.
17: Drawing back, retreating. I'm going to turn around, see what... No, wait.
18: Wait until... All right. Now.
14: There's... There's nothing there.
13: Le LaBord? Dr.
17: Labor. Someone just came in. Who's there? Who is that?
13: Oh, excuse me. I'm
18: terribly sorry. I'm looking for someone. An old man with white hair and white beard. His name's... Holy smoke, there he is, Dr. LaBord. Dr. Labor. I can't answer
2: you. He's dead. Dead? Who are you, anyway? Well, an attendant at a private hospital in town. We've been taking care of him ever since he got to this country. Nervous breakdown. He disappeared
6: this
18: afternoon, and... He'd been talking about you so much lately that I had a hunch he might have come out here. Talking about me? He said he had no idea th- I lived here. Of course he knew. I told you he wasn't right in the head. That was one of the signs.
14: Father, if it's true, if his mind was going, that would explain what he did. Burning his hands, running away like that.
17: You mean the Kabbalah didn't have any occult power?
18: What about the money from Endicott? Oh,
14: just a coincidence.
18: And what just happened? That shadow we saw on the wall?
14: Well, it was only a shadow. It could have been just our imagination.
18: Yes, Barbara, it could have been. But somehow, I don't think it was.
19: An old professor stands next to the body of his friend, staring at the fireplace where the secret of the ages has gone up in smoke as the clock strikes twelve for... Murder! Murder! At midnight... again when death whispers from the darkness in an unknown tongue, and the clocks strike twelve for Murder at Midnight. The part of Dr. Rudd was played by James Van Dyke. With music by Burt Berman, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader.
14: Christian sci-fi with humor, adventure, and a touch of romance. Read Quantum Spacewalker, Jarl's Journey. Travel with Jarl through the universe and several dimensions as he unearths items to help those struggling to survive on Earth during the catastrophic conclusion of the age. GraceGross.com has more information. Read Quantum Spacewalker, Jarl's Journey by Grace S. Gross.
16: Major trouble in dealing with an alien is that we're accustomed to certain little signs, symbols, facial expressions, tones of voice that have meaning when a human being is communicating with a human being. But we have no system of signs and no code of communication with the alien. Uh, How could we tell what the alien was thinking? the subliminal advertising recently I've been quite a bit of discussion about subliminal messages you know we use subliminal messages all the time but we don't quite recognize them how do you know when someone's angry you look at him how do you know when someone's hurt he doesn't say so but there's some clue you get suppose you were trying to communicate with someone who couldn't speak But it all they're communicating by the subliminal signs. You'd never be able to say just how you knew what the feeling was.
8: Cassie, what? Get a
5: couple of root beers out of the ice box and bring them out for me and Ralph. This has got to be washed, Dad. You've got nobody in there. Nobody coming. Get yourself a root beer and come out and join us. Starting to
16: cool off out here now. You think a girl would like to come and sit with a good-looking fellow like Rob
5: here? I'll come on out, Kathy. It's a real bright night outside here. You ought to see it. When isn't it on the desert? What, Kathy? I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm through now. Here. You'll have to open
16: it yourself. Got my opener right here in my watch chain. Give him Here. You got one for yourself, Cappy? Didn't want one. Move over. Ah, uh, lots of shooting stars out tonight. And here we sit, looking at them. I tell you, when I was your age, Rob, and if I'd have seen myself as I am now, sitting on the front steps of a little cafe and gas pump, ten miles from nothing but a wide spot in the road, middle of the desert. Oh, two springs, not just a wide spot. Fifteen hundred-something people. <laughs> That's counting all the ranches, 40 miles in every direction. And one town clock and one town constable. Two, Jimmy Herbert and me. And it's marshal, not constable. You aren't but half a constable, Rob. A part-time traffic cop, Knights. And why aren't you back guarding the town if it's so valuable? Instead of sitting here with me. Uh, that's all right. I got to head back in a bit and check in at 11. Look, there's a bright one. What? What? Right what? That shooting star over there. See it? Uh, You'd think they was wonders of nature never seen before. Regular Fourth of July light-up. I'd rather look at that many silver dollars any day. And if I'd had a decent break, I'd be looking at them, too. You kids get your wishes in before it fell? What'd you wish for, Rob? Don't need to ask what Kathy wished for. (laughs) Kathy? No, Dad. I didn't say nothing bad. Don't every woman wish for good looks, Dad? Now you knew I was kidding you. I wouldn't. Hey, look! Look at that one—it's coming right at us. Where? What? Hey! Look, look out! She went not get there. Get what? that car of yours. Play nothing. Them meteors are worth money. Wait for me. Somebody's gotta mind the gas pumps. You stay cool. <laughs> What was it? What was it? Let me I'll carry it here Into the house In back
5: It's one of those big rubber
16: beach balls. i put it on the sofa here. Good thing nobody's stopping for gas for a sandwich right now. Easy. There. Beach ball, did you say, girl? Look again.
5: That, that, that hole there, like a mouth. It looks like it's breathing. You're darn right it's breathing.
16: We found it at the bottom of a little drop on the wash. Out there by a water boiler sort of thing. Acts like it's knocked out.
5: It's moving Grab it. don't let it run away Now go Now go It talked, it said something I knew it, I knew it I really got something
16: Something at last I gotta get back to town, report this Hold it You crazy boy Get out of your head, can't you see what I got here? We can get rich off this If we don't throw it away like dumb fools Let For... me go, Harp! I gotta report this This is my duty Why, who else you think knows about it? There were lots of stars shooting around the night, weren't there? Who was around but us to see it land? That noise it made coming down wasn't much, just a bump. Nobody would know. No one else could. This is ours. I are just bound to find out sooner or later it came down. And if I didn't reflect it... I know I... you heard it or saw it. I tell you, it didn't make much noise. Who's to guess? So you didn't find out about it for a couple of days. Don't you see, boy? That gives us time to figure out what to do. How to make the best of it. But I... You I listen mean, to me. This could be the best thing that happened to us. Now you get back to town. Go on, kid. But don't say a word. I'll keep it here. Come back tomorrow. Not early, but about the time of afternoon you always drop in. What do you do with it? Just keep it safe. Just keep it safe. Now get going. Well, all
8: right.
5: Dad? We're going to be rich, girl. We're going to be rich. (laughs)
16: seem to be uh, very communicative. But maybe maybe there's more communication there than appears. An alien. How alien? How dangerous? How helpful? What sort of reaction? This strange beach ball thing.
5: Dad, where'd you get that suit? What have you been up to all day? Sit down, Kathy. What do you mean, sit down? Somebody's got to watch the cash register all day. First, you stay up all night with that that whatever it is, and then you... I've been at the bank. The
16: bank? That's right. I've been talking to Jim Goshen. I made a business loan. We're going to make some changes and improvements in the place here. Oh, now, Dad, you know Jim wouldn't loan the bank's money to us. We've got a good spot here. It's a natural for people to stop at after that long haul over the desert, particularly at night. And the line of motels is a good idea, too. Besides, it'd be a boost for the town. People who stop here will go on to buy things in Two Springs. Well, what made him see that all of a sudden? Well, I like... did, girl. I should have gone in and laid things on the line of him a long time ago. I don't know why. Before, uh, things never seemed to go right, but now...
5: I don't see why now should be any different. It was
16: finding that thing in the back bedroom there that did it. It was It was like a sign. I felt like a new man this morning. When I walked in on Jim Goshen, I was that sure. I was that sure he didn't have a chance. Shook me by the hand when we were all done and said, Harvey, I believe in you. Yes, he did. That's just what he did. Dad. What? What's the matter with you now?
5: Dad, I don't like it. Don't
16: like it? For the first time since you were born, since your mother died, we look like we've got a chance in the world, and you say you don't like it. It's so sudden. Last night, and now this. This is what I was born to be, born to do. I was always meant to make money, only I could never get started. Now I know how to go about it. Now that's all there is to it. Uh, How's the thing? You you look in on it?
5: No, no, I've, I've been so busy out front.
16: Let's see then. Close the door. We don't want it rolling out of here. Wants to get away, back to the thing it came in. No
5: go. Dad, what do you feed it? What? Feed it? Why feed it? Well, if you aren't going to let it go. No go.
16: Feed it, let it go. You sound like that Rob. Oh no, I told him to stay away from here. Sit tight. Hang on to it. It'll make our fortune. yet. No go. No go.
5: Who's that? Who's there? Kathy? Rob? Rob? What in the world? Just, just, just a minute. I've got to put on a robe. Rob, what are you doing wrapping at my window in the middle of the night? Kathy, i got to come in. In here? i got to get
16: to see it, Kathy. Just see it for a minute or two. I'm, I'm coming in. Rob! Yeah. Yeah. It take me to it. It wants to see me. I can feel it. Rob, are you drunk? You don't understand, Kathy. It can do something for me. I know it can. Kathy, listen. Listen. You like me, don't you? Won't you do that for me? Just take me to it. I better know where it is. It's in that extra back bedroom you and your dad use as a storeroom,
5: isn't it? Rob, come back here. Do mm. you want to wake up, Dad? Show me. All right, but for heaven's sake, be quiet. This way. Give me your hand. Oh. Get the lights Now
8: look out It's right under your feet now go. There it is Yes yeah.
16: well, yeah. well, Don't
5: look like that now go. Kathy listen Didn't you ever want to get away To get out into the world And do things Big things To be famous Really famous Oh Rob you come out of here No wait Kathy I need it I can do it We can do it All we have to do Is take this thing with us When I've got it around I feel
16: I, I know how to do it it doesn't take much money or brains. It's just being sure. And with it, I'm sure... Kathy, what's all
5: that noise? Oh, listen to me, Kathy. Kathy, what's going
16: on out
11: there?
12: What are you
5: doing? Nothing, Dad. Go back to sleep. Kathy. Now go. You say, take hey, it, Rob. What would you do with it? I keep it with us. What else? long as it allows... I'm trying to find out what's going on there. Comes, Dad. You better go talk to him, Rob. Yeah, yeah, I'll handle him.
16: You wait here. Keep an eye on it. I'll
5: keep an eye on it. All right.
16: right, Now listen to me. You listen to me.
5: And now for you. Now go. now Now, Now you'll try it on me, will you? what I want. Of course you would. I can feel you making me feel the way a beautiful woman feels. But I'm not fooled like they were those men. I know I'm plain. You hear me? I know it. You think I could live with myself all these 19 years and let you fool me in a minute? Go ahead. You can make me feel it, but you can't make me believe it. Never. Never. No. I won. All right, now. You aren't going to drive Dad or Rob crazy anymore. I'm going to take you out in the desert and lose you where they'll never find you. Uh, You come. Good thing you aren't too heavy. I know a fine hole in the side of a wash you'll never get out of.
11: Noggle.
5: Don't noggle me.
16: Seems to be what you might call a promissory note. She was promising things, apparently, but, uh, you know, a woman is peculiar in one respect. She's remarkably practical, as well as being idealistic. And the practical pragmatism doesn't yield too well to promissory notes.
5: Oh, here's a place that'll hold you. I'll just put you down here, open the hole a bit, and lock you down with a stone. Well, aren't you going to try once more? Oh, come now. Aren't you going to try once more to make me feel lovely and wanted and pretty?
16: No more.
5: What was it you wanted from them anyway, from Rob and my dad? What were you after, anyway? You ought to be able to make some kind of an answer. Go ahead, you can't fool me, anyway. I'm onto your trick of finding out what people want and making them feel they can have it. Maybe they could. Have. It seemed to work for Dad, but even if you're making me feel attractive would make other people think so too. I still wouldn't buy a pig in a poke. You hear that? Nah, no. All right, I don't want to hurt you. Tell me what you were after, and I'll leave you here to save yourself or not. I don't care. What did you want from us? What?
11: No. Nah,
5: I think I can hear you. I didn't know. I I didn't know. No. So, no, so I'll get you to it. I'll get you to it in time. This way. Oh, I'll hurry. Abby! She won't find us. She won't get you up in time. Oh, please, hold on.
11: Just a little longer. Abby! On, I'm coming! I'm following your tracks! You alright? Can you hear me, Kathy?
5: Oh, I can see you now. Just a little farther. Kathy! I'm here. In with you, quick. There! I'll leave him now. I'll keep him back. Here I
16: am, Ron Kathy, Kathy Oh, Kathy, I thought something happened I was crazy back there I don't know what got into me Kathy, I I don't want what I said All I want Oh, you had me so scared when I found you gone
5: Me? You were worried about me? Oh, Ron
16: But Kathy, that thing I gotta find it, Kathy Maybe it's dangerous, you don't know
5: Shh. it's all right You don't have to worry anymore She's going home after you let it go? But you don't know what it tried. How could you trust it to go free? You don't understand. There she goes. Wait to her. Wait to her with me. Of course I know. We were the ones who didn't understand. We forgot anyone could think of anybody but themselves. She's a mother, Rob, And of course she'd do anything, promise anything, to get back home to her child.
16: preconception but uh, how can you tell when you don't know the meaning of the clues is it a warrior a scout seeking to bring in an invading crew a scientist or perhaps a lost child or a mother who's missed a turn and trying to get home to baby we start with a preconception but preconceptions aren't always right this time
0: they weren't now you can double your listening pleasure by subscribing to the strangers and pilgrims podcast for only 99 cents a month you gain access to more shows for your enjoyment subscribe now and happy listening
21: All of us stretched, broken. Mr. Prentice, Prentice, are you alive? The tormentor shapes us, makes us. What for? Mr. Prentice, Mr. Prentice,
22: Mr.
23: Prentice, the tormentor. His is the hand that makes, his is the hand that wounds, his 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 is the the house house of of pain. Pain. Mr
8: Mr. Prentice, wake up.
22: Promise me, promise, give some account of me. No,
24: no,
21: destroy them, destroy them all.
8: Doctor, come here, Mr Prentice. No.
25: Trentis. Trentis. Er kommt wieder zu sich. Trentis? Eine nutzlose Belastung für uns. Trentis, come on. What? It's all right. Oh.
26: God! Yeah. So is good. So is good. See you, Constance? You have been
21: Yes. I thought I was. It's
25: all right now. You're safe. Oh, yeah. all safe. What's that? It's Constance. There are just the three of us. That's so three. but soon it will only be two, What did you say? Hold the mouth, Constance. I'll tell you what I want. Then tell you English. Elmer. the ship. What's happened to her? Gone. She's gone. Look behind you. There. That's the last you'll see of the Lady Vane.
26: Here, apprentice. Water.
25: Make the most of it. There's no more.
27: How long can we go without? I don't know.
25: Depends on how much you want to live. If you want to live badly enough, you'll find ways of staying alive. But without water, we... It doesn't have to be water. There are other things. Blood. What? Blood. Blood will keep you alive? (laughs) You're insane. Those girls, drink their blood. They'll keep you alive. You're right, he's insane. You lie nice and still in the bottom of the boat. One comes down to see what's going on. He comes closer. You make a grab, catch him, break his neck, and then... It's impossible, of course. It is. I know a man was wrecked in the South Seas. Three weeks he was in a boat, no water, but he kept himself alive like that. Only trouble was he got himself a real taste for it. You know what I mean? Don't listen to him. <laughs> I don't believe him. You. When
21: you're thirsty, you will. It won't come to that.
25: We'll get picked up. Oh yes. Here comes a ship now! What? And the Ships all around us! Scho- the way up! of Es kommt der Tag, da uns nicht mehr Ich
20: sag der, halt die Schnauze!
25: No more talk like that. No more! <täuspern> oh, scheiße! Missed again! Almost had it, but you miss the next one that comes.
23: That's what you keep
25: saying. Next time, you see. No,
23: it's no good. It's wird nichts. It's geht nicht.
20: Prentice, do you agree? Es bleibt ihm
25: keine of Wahl. Talk in English, damn you! You have no choice, Mr. Prentice. Prentice. Amos! No. You have to, Prentice. I won't
23: do it. It's...
25: It's M- monstrous. There's nothing else we can do. We're not animals. It is our only chance. For two of us, at least. I can't. If you won't draw lots, Mr. Prentice. then we'll choose you. No! Not like this. Come on, Keep back. Uh, uh, I've got a knife. You don't have the strength to use I'm it. I'm
20: warning you. No,
25: I can. Try me. Hurt off. off. Stop. If we do it, it must be done properly,
23: fairly. We must be civilized.
25: (laughs) Civilized like gentlemen. Yes, like men. Prentice, draw lots. It's the only way. All right. These three coins. These three coins here. Mark one of them with your knife. I put them in my scarf. Yeah. Then we each take one. Whoever has the marked coin, he will. He will be the one. Agreed? Yes. Yeah. Just get on with it! All right. Take one. Prentice? No. Tommy, no me! That means. No! A slice of elements, sir. Come and get me, the two of you. Scared, are you? Scared, yeah no. f- <laughs> 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 like You're nice! knife! nice! We're not animals! <laughs> 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 We're men! we not animals! Not animals! <laughs>
27: Brought the food. Just put it down there. Is he well? Better than he was. Looks like he'll be waking up again sooner. You'd better get back on deck. Keep an eye on the animals. master. They say.
10: Mm, what? The men. Mm. They
28: say to mm. me, it's
25: coming. now. Go on. Mm. We don't want you to be the first to see. But, but master, what's uh, the matter when you get up? I tell you. <laughs>
27: Right in the poor bugger to death. Helma. That's the third time you've called me that. I keep telling you my name is Montgomery. Montgomery? That's right. You're a good Samaritan. Ah, Montgomery.
21: Yes, I, I remember. There, there was someone else here. Was there? Looking down at me, a, a face. It,
27: it, it, well, that would have been my servant. Now then, you think you could eat something? No. You must. You've had quite an ordeal. It's Just some soup and bread. In a moment. See that you do. Doctor's orders. You're a doctor. You could say that. I didn't give much for your chances. You were in a bad way when we picked you up. God knows how long you've been alone in that boat. Alone? Yes. Or was there someone else with you then? Helma? <laughs> Never mind. Don't talk about it now. Maybe later if you feel up to it. <laughs> What's that noise? Noise. Animals. Oh, nothing for you to worry about. Rests what you need and food. Oh, damn it! What's he doing, out there? Montgomery? <sighs>
6: Hello.
23: What happened to the others?
8: <gasps> the animals! The animals! <laughs>
26: I discovered my uncle's narrative some days after his rather sudden death. As his nephew and sole heir, I had begun the somewhat arduous task of sorting through his many papers when I came upon this book, written in his own hand, at the bottom of a large trunk. A trunk was filled with cases of butterflies and moths, obviously collected during his journeys through the tropics. I have ascertained that there was indeed a steamship called the Ipecaquanya, ...that sailed from South America with a jaguar and other animals on board... ...and that it would probably have been in that part of the ocean... ...where my uncle's ship went down. It may well have picked him up after the wreck of the Lady Vane... ...but I can find no record of a man named Montgomery being on board... ...nor his strange-looking servant. And in view of my uncle's account of what followed... ...I really expect to find none.
21: Oh, it's good to be up on deck at last. Coming unbearable down
27: there. Yes, this crate's not really equipped for carrying passengers. Not human ones, anyway. <laughs> Where's she bound? Java, Sumatra. What about you? Home? England. I uh, haven't been there in ten years. I've been away for two. I can't wait to get back. Yes, I sometimes think I wouldn't mind seeing the old place again. You've no plans to go back? No, my home's out here now. That's where they're taking me.
21: And I thought he were the ship's doctor.
27: This ship hasn't got a doctor. I'm a passenger like you. Oh, I see. Uh, where is it, your home? An island. It's about a, a week away, I'd say. Can what's its name? I don't know. I don't I think, think it's you think got be one. What's going on back yeah. there? Oh, Maling, what's he got himself in into now? I'd better go and see.
25: Ah, get him off! Oh, oh, look what he did Went for his throat, bloody animal I'm bleeding My face, you bastard teacher. Leave him alone Look what he did to me Ain't gonna get away with that away, <laughs> ah. oh.
2: Anybody else
24: want to try? Hey, was
25: looking after
24: the animals What's going on? Back to work, the lot of you Move! Montgomery If you lay hands on one of my crew again... You tell your crew to keep their hands off my assistant, Davis. Captain Davis to you, mister. And I don't need you to tell me to keep my crew in order. Someone needs to. That man's a passenger. Yeah. God help me. I wish I'd never agreed to take either of you all, you stinking animals. This is my ship. I'll do and say what I like. Leave him my cover. He's drunk. Uh, What's new? What's that? What's that you said? You! Cast away! What are you referring to? Me? Not enough to have him and his bloody animals. I get lumbered with you and if all. If you don't mind, Captain. Clean ship, this was. Respectable ship and a good crew. <laughs> good <laughs> enough to I took you on board.
27: <laughs> That's
24: enough. You and that <laughs> bloody devil of yours. I'm
27: warning you. No, Montgomery, he's not worth it.
24: All right, you are. What are you, Hey, eh? You're nothing. A piece of bloody flotsam. Shut up! Shut your bloody noise!
8: Shut up!
21: What?
27: I heard something in the water. It jumped.
28: It went down again. What did Milne? Something black,
27: silver, big. Did you see it, Prentice? No. Lingwood sees things in the dark. You and I can't.
21: Why? Why did the crew show such? animosity towards Malin.
27: Not exactly a pretty sight, is he? Well, I... Yeah? Well, there is something a little unsettling about him. <laughs> He's a good man. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm telling you, he is. It doesn't do to judge a man by his looks. Oh, I know that.
25: I know that, all right. We choose you, Mr. Prentice. No, not like, like this. Come on.
27: What was that? What? You were saying? Oh, just uh, if there's one thing I've learned on my travels,
21: it's that. Always
27: look for what lies beneath the surface. Yes. No drink? No, thanks. I don't. Well, that's probably very wise. It's very wise indeed. As you can see, I'm not a very wise man. Not at all. What were you doing on your travels? Studying, animals, insects. You're a naturalist. Mm. It's expensive hobby. I've no family to speak of. My father was in business. He Left you well provided for. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm not passing any judgment. Good luck to you and good health. It's all chance. One man's born with money, another isn't. One man makes a success of his life, another throws everything away. Wise man or fool, no one's to blame. Pure chance. Accident. Whole damn thing. Like me finding you, saving your life. It's an accident. There's no rhyme or reason to it, no meaning. You really think so? Don't you? You're a I... naturalist, aren't you? One of the Darwin Brigade. No, I grant you. Natural selection, that is, a form of chance. Exactly. Well, all of us, one big accident. But then again, when one studies
21: nature and sees the patterns that exist
27: in plants and animals, the whole process of life itself... <laughs> <I do. laughs> uh, you ought to talk with Moreau. That's the kind of thing he comes out with. Who's Moreau? It's a man I work for on the island. just follow that sort of talk. He is, goes beyond me. I suppose I'm pretty poor company for him. There are just the two of you? Yes, and Malang, of course. Though his conversation tends to be rather limited. What does Moreau do on this island? He's... he's a naturalist. Oh. Devoted his life to it. Pity you won't meet him. Eight bells. Time to turn in. Coming? I think I'll stay up here a while longer. Mulling well, will keep you company, won't you? Yes. Make sure he comes below when you do. Don't leave him up on deck alone. I wouldn't put anything past this crew.
28: Comes from down there. What? The dark, the deep, black, silver. It has no
23: name.
24: Careful with that cage, Montgomery. Catch Will you tell your men? I'll tell them what I, like, mister. I don't want that creature dropped in the ocean. You can all drop in the bloody ocean for all I care. Dropping it and drown. Are you there,
25: Montgomery? Yes, Mo! Tell them, Captain. I have told them. Throw right. away.
27: We'll have ourselves a clean ship again soon. You want any help, Montgomery? No thanks. That jaggy was the last of them.
25: That old no? light. Yes! Come on, then! I'm on my
27: way! But before you go, I just want Don't to say... Say, no say anything, nothing to be said. All the
25: same, I'm... Goodbye. That's all, and good luck.
21: What are you waiting for?
25: Nothing coming now! Say hello to England for me!
24: I will. You too. What? Get off my ship. What do you mean? I'm cleaning this ship out, and you're going with the rest of them. You can't! If I bloody well can. I'd have pick you up. I never wanted you on board. This isn't a passenger ship. Captain Davis... Hey! Belay there. There's another one to come. What's that? Your friend. Take him with you. This is monstrous. We can't. Who says? I say. We've no use for him. Uh, neither have
21: I. It looks as though we've no alternative, Captain. Check him, lads. What are you What's doing? Throw him over.
24: <laughs> Captain Davis, please. I'm sending him over. Pick him up or not, as you like. Damn you, Captain. For God's sake. Over the side go! <laughs> slow head. Look lively on all of your guns.
26: I have discovered that after leaving South America with its cargo, the steamship Ipecacuanha, under a captain Davis, was never seen or heard of again. Lost somewhere in the ocean during its voyage to the Far East. We can only guess at its fate. But we must assume that, as my uncle refers in his narrative to this vessel and its captain by name, it did indeed pick him up after the wreck of the Lady Vane. We must also assume that he was at some point deposited on this island, he writes of, for he must have lived somewhere during the time before his eventual rescue and return home. And there is indeed such an island in that region, I've researched this with the utmost care. It is called Noble Island. But it is, and to all human knowledge always has been, completely uninhabited.
22: Mr President. Yes. As you appear to have been hoisted on us, you may as well make yourself useful. Uh, Of course, but I'd like to change out of these. Help Montgomery transfer the rest of the animals to their cages. Mr Moreau. Doctor. I'm a doctor. I'll see you later at supper. Make sure you lock everything, Montgomery. In.
27: Yes. Ten years and he still doesn't trust me. Uh, give me a hand with these, and I'll find you some dry clothes then. Ming, don't just stand there. Come on. Yes, master. <laughs> He's scared of them. <coughs> Can't say I blame him. What's Moreau wanted them all?
21: Part of his work. He built this place himself. Not a compound. We built it together, just the two of us. And what about the natives? The ones I saw down on the beach? The. Na- Oh, they're not
27: from here. The island was uninhabited when we came. Moreau brought them later. From where? Unlike any people I've
21: ever encountered.
27: What are they doing? Laying easy with them! Uh, Sorry, Master. (laughs) Bloody fool. I'll take my whip to you next time. Do you understand? Yes, Master. Never had to use it on him yet. The threat's enough. This is the hand that burns. You can be sure it is. Right, that's done now. Let's go across to the house. Fancy a bite to eat? I'm famished. Yes, uh, sorry, sir. I'm head, What?
21: Milleen, just
20: now. Oh, I
27: don't know, some nonsense or other. Don't worry yourself about it. <laughs>
21: Fond of opera, Mr. Prentice? I'm not that well acquainted with it, I'm afraid. I've never really had much time for music. Ah,
22: one should always have time for music. Music is the peak of human achievement. It's the voice of the soul.
27: It must be. I haven't got one, then. It can reach
22: such heights of perfection. Those heights for which we all strive.
27: Until it starts to run out of steam.
22: Montgomery tells me you're a naturalist, Mr. Prentice. Oh, well, yes. I've... Oh, he
27: doesn't drink either.
22: You've spent some years travelling, studying. That's right. I was on my way home. Well, when... perhaps you may be able to assist in my work here. It could be some time before you're able to leave. Ships don't call here very often. What, what is your work exactly? I would take time to explain. More time than I can spare at present. Spend a few days acquainting yourself with our dwelling here and. After that, perhaps we'll discuss the matter further. Hmm? Very well. And now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get on. Uh, feel free to wander within the compound, but if I were you, I wouldn't venture outside, unless Montgomery's with you. Are there wild animals? None that's dangerous. Only the jungle's rather deep, and it's easy to lose one's bearings. I don't want to waste valuable time organising rescue parties. Montgomery, I'll require your assistance. I'll be over in a minute. Now. Thank you. Good night, Mr. Prentice.
19: Good night.
28: Moreau. Moreau. Where have I heard that name before?
22: Are you feeling quite well, Mr. Gummery? Never better
27: boys did me good perhaps it's
22: just the liquor then I can hold it
27: what are you driving that I'm simply concerned for your welfare <laughs> it's the first time oh, I suppose Prentice is more to your liking hmm and abstainer like you I have no feelings about mr. Prentice one way or the other
22: although he may well prove to be an asset Indeed,
27: he may. If only he knew where he'd been washed up. I'll be the one to explain the
22: situation to him, mind you. Do you understand?
27: Good. Go and get some sleep. I thought you wanted my help.
22: No, you need to rest. This work requires a steady hand.
20: Damn! Damn you! Moreau!
21: Of course, that's it.
23: Yes.
28: There, Michael. There. All's well. All will be well.
25: Captain Davis, there's something ahead! Bloody devil! Stand ahead, Captain! Get him off my ship! Oh, the wizard to Change course. What is it? I don't know. It's dark, huge. Change course, Captain. Blow them off. Blow them all off. He's bloody drunk. We're heading straight for it. Down
8: to the bottom. Down to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Down What's that?
21: What in God's name is that?
27: That was probably some animal out in the jungle.
21: Moreau said there weren't any animals. Nothing dangerous, he said. And it wasn't coming from the jungle. It was coming from over there, from his laboratory. Oh, you know. I couldn't sleep for the noise, so I went for a walk, and I heard it coming from in there.
27: He's doing some... Kind of work on animals, isn't he? He'll tell you about it himself. I'll go and see him then. You can't. Uh, He's sleeping. He's working all night. Well, then I'll go and have a look in his laboratory. No. He won't allow it. Why not? What is there to hide? Nothing. Look, just be patient. He said he'd explain everything to you in a few days, didn't he? Now bear with him. This is his island, you know. He makes the rules here. He likes things done his way. And I can tell you, he's not a man to be crossed
26: there was a Moreau. A physiologist of that name was working in London some 30 years ago, and it appears that he was highly regarded and respected by his contemporaries, not only as a man of science, but also as a man of wide learning and culture. For a time he was professor of zoology at a famous city institute, but but then, quite abruptly, he gave up his post and left the country. Of where he went and what became of him thereafter. There appears to be no record.
9: Pain? pain.
22: <coughs> there must be pain. Out of pain comes. <coughs> you will understand. <coughs> You'll come to know. The pain is nothing. Nothing. <coughs>
27: It was over more. Thank you, no, I have really no appetite. Don't let that noise get to you. I hardly notice it now. You get used to everything in time. Does he always work at night? Night and day. Once he starts. He never rests. That's why he came to the island. No interruption. And why did you come here? Chance? Accident. He helped me out of a fix. I had to get away. From what? Isn't there always something? Doesn't everyone have something they need to? I mean, what about you? Well, what do you mean? That little boat of yours.
21: But <laughs> well, we'd, we'd sunk, I, I, I would.
27: There's always something.
11: I've seen him before.
21: Who? Oh, Moreau. Go on. When I was a boy. Quite young, actually. I, my father took me to a zoological lecture in London. I don't remember much about the letter itself, of course, except the name of the man who delivered it. Dr Moreau. Really? I was too young to follow much of what he said, but I remember
27: him and his voice. A kind of passion, a power. I can remember that. Oh, it's quite a coincidence, huh? Yes, I wonder. What do you mean? Well, I remember listening to him, being almost overwhelmed by him. I wanted to have that knowledge and understanding of the world, that same power. My own interest in natural science was born then. In a way, I suppose all that I've done since has been because of him. <laughs> and, do you see? But for him, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Fate, destiny—that's oh, a good one, Brenda. That's a bloody good
23: one. Go away! He doesn't want you.
28: He's is the hand that wounds. His is the fire that burns. Go away! Go away!
21: Malink? Sir? What are you doing, Malink? Nothing, sir.
28: Looking for you, sir. Why? What do you want? Mr Montgomery sent me to find you. I'm simply taking a walk. I can't sleep. That's why Mr. Montgomery sent me. He says, would you
27: care to join him? He's awake too, is he? He said the noise didn't disturb him. For a drink, sir. He knows I don't. He says a drink
28: will help you to sleep, sir. I'll thank Mr. Montgomery for his offer, but tell him I decline. Very well, sir. All right? Yes, sir. Well, what are you waiting for?
21: Nothing, so. Well, go and tell him then. Yeah. What? What's that, sir? So? That noise on the other side of the gate. There it is again. You heard it? Y- yes, sir.
28: A noise. What is it? I don't know, sir. Some kind of animal? Yes, sir. An animal. It's gone now, sir. Yeah. I go I tell Mr. Montgomery, sir.
6: An animal? What kind of animal?
27: Do you really think uh, it's a good idea?
21: I'm only going for a stroll.
27: <clears throat> the jungle's pretty deep. I won't get lost. Wait for an hour or two until I finish what I have to do. It'll be too
21: hot then. i want to go out while the morning's cool. I'm tired
27: of kicking my heels around here all day. I ought to have a word with Moreau first. Moreau's not my keeper, is he? I'm not his prisoner? Of course not. Then there's nothing to stop me, is there? Uh, I'll see you later. Prentice! There's a path through the jungle. Keep to it, eh?
21: I can look after myself.
8: see.
27: Why did you allow him to go? How could I stop him? He's suspicious enough as it is.
22: Yeah, I suppose no harm can come of it.
27: What if he comes across one of our friends? Well, that's not very likely. As long as
22: he doesn't go far, oh, they keep well away from him. Do they?
27: Well, Ling told me one of them was outside the compound last night. Really? That's interesting. It's about time you told him.
22: I will in a few days when I'm finished with this. And I'll do better than tell him. I'll show him. She'll be ready then. Listen, Montgomery.
21: Listen to her, she has a voice.
25: You You. who are you? Man. What? I am a man.
27: (laughs) I don't know what it might have been, some animal. It spoke! You imagined it did. I heard it. A voice. Like milling's voice, only it must have been one of the natives there. But the way it ran—what of it? It was big, too big for a man. The shadows in the jungle—they can play <sighs> tricks. I know what I heard. I know
21: what I saw. Well, that's more than I do, Montgomery. Uh-huh. You know what it was. Why won't you tell me? What's going on here?
27: There's nothing going on. Oh, damn you! Where are you going? To see Moreau. You can't. He's working.
21: Yes. What kind of work? What's he doing in
27: there? He'll tell you when he's ready. You tell me now. You're not going in. Get
21: your hands off me! You
27: are not going in.
21: Please.
27: Now look. You've been through it these last few weeks. Your nerves are on edge. Go and rest. I can't. I'll give you something to help you sleep.
8: God.
21: I, I saw it. Trust me. <laughs> What's he doing in there? Animals. No. Animals. Who's there? Who is
23: it?
8: Not
23: animals. No! No! No!
21: man. Who's oh, there? Sir. sir. Oh, Miling, what do you want? Food, sir. Thank you. Just put it on the table. Ling. where's Moreau?
28: Dr. Moreau is resting, sir. Resting? Yes, sir. Thank you, Maling.
20: That's all
26: we now come to what I call the second part of my uncle's narrative. Up to this point, all that he describes as having taken place could have some basis in actual events, even if the perception of those events has been somewhat distorted by his obviously distraught state of mind. But to find any rational explanation for the events he describes subsequently, I confess I find myself at a complete loss From the moment my uncle tells of his decision to enter Moreau's laboratory to the point where the narrative ends, all, all appears to be nothing more than the ravings of a haunted and broken mind bordering on the insane.
27: Moreau. Dr Moreau.
28: creature?
21: What has he done to you?
27: What are you doing? What is this? Get away. From what has he done? Come on, outside. Tell oh, me. I've seen Come up come on, quick before he hits. How did you go in? Why couldn't you wait? For what? Until he'd finished, he was going to
21: show you. Show him. me that. That creature. It, it's human. Or it was once. No, I saw it. You don't know what you saw. A human being. Cut mutily. You've got it wrong. I know now, Maling. Those on the beach, that, that that thing in the jungle, all human once until he got his hands on them. Let me explain something. What some... kind of a monster is he? Will you listen? Me? He wants me in there too. Don't be ridiculous. But I won't. I won't be one of his experiments. Shut up! I won't. <laughs> For
27: God's sake, Prentice. Oh, you bloody fool. Keep back. Give me my gun. I mean it. I don't think I won't use it. I've killed before.
21: What do you think happened to those men in the boats, eh?
27: All right. So what do you intend to do now? I'm getting away from here, as far as I can. This happens to be an island. I've survived on my own before. I can live out there till a ship comes. That could be a long time. And if
21: either of you come looking for me, I'll
27: kill you. Now, we're going over to the gates, and you're going to open them and let me out. All right? All right. All right. Whatever you say.
22: You let him take your gun. He took me by surprise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's taken us both by surprise. Indeed he has. What are we going to do? Fetch him back, wouldn't you say? I think that might be a good idea. Yes, I better take my gun, hadn't I, seeing that you've been relieved of yours? <laughs>
28: What? <laughs>
27: which way they're heading, don't you, Moreau? Oh, yes, yes, I know. I mean, this was bound to happen. Nothing was bound to happen. If you hadn't been so careless...
22: Oh, really? <laughs> Do we follow? Yes, we follow. Go on, Milling.
25: Up here! There! The cave! Our home! The others are in there? Yes! Not for animals, not for people. We dig the ground, plant food, like people. We are people, all people in there. Come now, you meet them, friends, brothers. I go ahead, I tell them. Uh, Hey, don't go in without me. Wait. Is it a man? A man, yes. Look, here is he. A new man! Uh, a new man! I saw him! He was running away from there! He escaped! No. Huh? None uh, escaped! No. Follow me! None. I said None. Meet the others! He is it five finger like me? Oh, you have come you're to us. Come. You must learn the, learn
23: the law. The law. The law. The law. He, must learn. he must learn the-, the law. Say the law. The
25: new man. Say
23: the words.
25: The law. The law. The law. the
23: law. the law. the law. I am the sayer of the law. I speak the words of the law. Listen.
25: Learn. These are the words of the law.
26: My uncle describes the creatures he claims to have encountered in the cave. What he says struck him most of all was a... a sense of deformity about them. As his eyes grew used to the dark, he saw that the cave was filled with... these people, each one having its own peculiar characteristics, some small and sleek, some large and heavy with powerful arms and shoulders, all were human and yet and yet he writes there was something about them too of the animal. These are creatures from a nightmare, creations of some fantastic delusion, that is all. They're not real, no, they cannot, could never be.
23: Not to go on all four. That is the law. Are we
0: not, not men. men?
25: Not to suck up drink. That is the law. Are we not, not men. men? Not to eat flesh or fish. That is the law. Are we, Are we not, not men? men. Not to claw the bark of trees. That is the law.
27: Are, Are we, we not, not men? men. Well, Ro, listen. I hear you. Are we
28: not <sighs> the law.
27: We'd better go in and get him out. <gasps> not yet. Not Wait. Men. In a while.
22: That Why? The Let them finish.
25: His is the house of pain.
22: His,
21: His is, is the hand, hand that plays. His is the hand that wounds.
23: His, His is, is the hand that heals. heals. His is the voice that commands. His, His is the eye that sees. sees.
25: The lightning flash, The thunder the roar. The wind in the trees the of the sea. The fire that
23: burns. He's He's the of the law if you come to live with us you must know the law learn the law obey the law evil are the punishments of those that break the
25: law none escape none escape none escape none none I did a wrong thing I stopped talking I made noises he took me to the house of pain Ah. he is great he is good
23: he is great he is good Let me see your hand. What? Uh,
25: Your hand,
23: let us see.
25: (gasps) He has little nails. Not claws.
23: It is well. He is a man. (sighs)
25: Stop! He has broken a law! Uh, uh, he has a gun! I don't know see! Wait! He comes to kill! No! Not to drink blood! That is the law! Listen, how evil are the punishments
23: you of those that break the
21: law! You and don't it. understand! He must go
25: to the house of pain! This is the, the
23: house of pain! No!
8: Wait! No! 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 Uh, no! Uh,
23: he is here!
25: He is good.
23: This is the eye that sees.
25: His is the voice that commands.
23: Leave him. He has a gun.
25: He has broken the law. Did you Lord. hear what he said? Move back.
21: Come over here, Prentice. I'm not going with you.
22: If I gave them the word, they'd bring you to him.
21: Not
27: while I've got this.
21: For oh, God's sake, Prentice. I know what's going on. That... Thing in your laboratory these people here. You're not going to do the same to me.
27: I've no
22: intention of doing anything
27: to you. You won't get the chance. What chance do you think? You'd stand if you fired that. Give it to me. No. All right. Here.
22: Take my gun. What are you doing? I'm showing sure Mr. Prentice that we mean him no harm. Take it. There. Now, Montgomery and I are going back to the compound. You may follow us if you wish. I should if I were you. I promise you, if you return with us, I'll explain everything to you. You'll find it's not what you think. No harm will come to you. You have my word.
27: Well. All right.
21: But keep ahead of me all the way. As you wish. Come on, Montgomery.
23: <laughs> does he go to the house of pain? No, he does not. <laughs> but he has broken the law. The law. the law. the law. I make the law.
22: Mine is the voice that commands. Mr. Prentice. Go on. I'll follow you. Very well. Come, Montgomery. Wait with me. Yes, master.
23: <laughs> What does this mean? He
25: came with a gun. He goes with a gun. His is the voice that commands. But the other did not listen. No. He broke the law oh. and he goes free. Oh. What, yes. what
21: What? does it mean? Yes. It means... What? Uh,
25: what? Uh, I will what?
23: think... What? Uh, it, it means... He goes unpunished. He goes free. free. He goes free. He goes he free. free.
25: He goes, he free. goes, he goes free. Free.
22: Some tea, Prentice? You agree now that the creature in my laboratory is the jaguar? Yes. Good. It's so cut,
21: so mutilated, I've never
22: seen anything. Please, spare me any sentimental moralising. It has no place here. Is your tea to your liking? It's fine. Very well. well. Now I shall explain.
27: Yeah, poor bloody beast. What's he made of you? Huh? Meat on a butcher's slab. He was not a butcher, though. Oh, no. I'm an artist. That's what he said to me once. You're a work of art. It's his creation. An artist. But I'll tell you what he really thinks he is. God almighty! What you have seen in my
22: laboratory, and out there in the jungle, is the result of 20 years of research and study and experiment. Experiment into the plasticity of living forms. <laughs> Vivisection. No more than that, much more. I have discovered not only how to reshape the body, but how to alter its chemical composition. To stimulate growth in dormant areas of the brain. Modify instinct. To change a living creature in its most
27: intimate structure. Oh. Yeah, He makes them and he casts them aside. Oh. Oh, good enough for him. Start again. Get it right this time.
8: Oh.
27: But he'll never get it right. Never. It just goes on and on. There's no end to it. for what? What's the bloody point of it all?
22: You may as well ask nature to justify its work. But where is it all leading? Must it lead anywhere? Must there be a conclusion? I am engaged in the pursuit of knowledge, Mr. Prentice, of understanding. And I pursue it endlessly and without remorse. When one studies nature, when one undertakes such a task as mine, one must become as ruthless and pitiless as
23: nature itself. Not to eat flesh or fish, that is the law. Not to chase other men, not to root in the earth, that is the law. Ah, that is the law. For some. The law is for all. You say? Where are you going? It is dark.
25: Yes, dark. And I go. Are we not men? I go free into the dark.
23: Not to drink blood, that is the law. Are we not men, not to eat flesh? That is the law. Are we not men?
22: The history of the human race is the history of our struggle to be free of our base instincts, to rise clear of them, like Daedalus rising from the earth towards the sky. We struggle to destroy the animal within us and attain a, a purity of mind and spirit. And those creatures of mine out there, they too are now engaged in that struggle. But I fail. Each time I see it grow in them, something at their very centres I cannot touch. Cravings, instincts, animal desires, the mark of the beast, a darkness in their very souls that evades me. It stares out at me in mockery at my failure. But I do not despair. I go on, letting the work lead me, drawing me closer, nearer to the center, the heart of it all. And each time I dip a living creature into the bath of burning pain, I say, this time I will burn out all the animals. <coughs> 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 I've explained enough to you now is it all clear yes it's clear and I think you understand a little at least you will come to understand more in time it's late you must be tired I'll go and get some sleep Mm. good night then good night
25: oh you law?
27: Moreau taught it to them. What for? There's a way of keeping them in check. Stop them from giving in. And Does it? Most of the time. It's a struggle for them, though. Sometimes they go under. And then they're taken to the house of pain. Yes. That and Moreau are the two things they dread. So he rules them with pain and fear. Not much different to anywhere else, is it? Isn't that how we're all kept in check? What?
25: what? Here. See?
27: What do you want?
25: Look! What's she
27: got there?
25: I found it in there, in the bushes, hidden. God's name?
27: What is it? Oh, a pig. What's left
25: of it? I smelled it. Badness! Wickedness under the leaves.
27: Was this you?
25: No, no, not me. I saw you, the two masters I brought in. Not to eat flesh. That is the law. Bad, wicked, evil are the punishment.
27: Come on, we'd better go and tell Moreau. What will he do? I don't know. Nothing as serious as this has ever happened before. Call them all together, I suppose, and find out which of them did it. And then make sure they don't do it again.
25: The house of pain. <laughs> Not to drink blood. That is the law. That is the law.
8: That is the law.
26: (laughs) My uncle writes... Imagine the scene if you can. We three with our misshapen attendant, standing at the bottom of the hill and surrounded by this circle of crouching and gesticulating monstrosities, flinging dust and stones upon their heads, some almost human, some so strangely distorted as to resemble nothing but the denizens of our wildest dreams. At each sounding of the horn, they writhed and grovelled before Moreau, as if engaged in some terrible act of worship, What kind of mind could imagine such a scene? It is madness. Madness?
23: Enough!
22: (laughs) Where is the sayer of the law? I am here. The law has been broken. (laughs) Not to eat flesh or fish. That is the law. And the law has been broken no. yes one of you has broken that law which one, no. which,
4: one? which one of you
22: has done it no. No. don't think you can hide from me
23: mine is the eye that sees no. No. and there will be punishment no. 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 mine is the hand that makes mine no! Bring me the transgressor! Where? 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 I warn you. <laughs> there is one not here. What? One. one not present. He went out. He did not come back. When was this? Three nights. It is him. He is the one. He is the one. Yeah. He must Be found! uh, Hunt him! Find him! him. The one who breaks the law goes back to the house of pain! No! No, 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 Not escape! He must go go to the house house of pain.
25: pain! No! Help me! This is the hunt!
8: Mr. Paine, the House of
25: pain! Help me! Help me! No! 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 He is here. The one who broke the law. Neither,
23: neither, 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 You have broken the law.
25: You must come with me. No! No! Escape! And you must go back to the house of pain. the no, house of pain. No, no, please don't. No. Help me. Help me. Help me. Ah!
23: Prentice, why the hell did you do that? Prentice, answer me. Where do you think you're going? Come back here. Do as I command.
26: In the days that followed, my uncle writes, I fell into a morbid state, deep and enduring, which has left permanent scars on my mind. Seeing nothing but the island and its suffering and painful disorder, I lost faith in the sanity of the world. A blind fate, a vast pitiless mechanism, seemed to cut and shape the fabric of existence.
21: What's it all for? If there was some point,
27: some aim, I could understand it. Poor buggers, all of them. Struggling to hold on.
26: My poor uncle. What privations he must have suffered. What agonies of mind and body must have driven him to create this hellish fantasy.
21: But there's no point, no aim, no direction. Just his damned curiosity, that's
27: all. Time for us too. The same, a struggle not to go under.
26: This is the confession of his own despair. He writes of lost souls. For he himself had become a lost soul.
22: Observe the force of nature, Prentice. A vast, pitiless, awesome power. It would sweep us from the island, from the face of the earth with no more thought than you or I would give to swatting a fly, but without cruelty, apprentice, without malice. I was angry with you for what you did the other day, but not now, though I am still a little concerned about the possible consequences. What consequences? The undermining of my authority your authority is that all it's all they have my authority my law that's their only bond i sincerely hope that your action has not weakened it i don't give a damn intrigue me prentice i'm curious as to your motives for what killing that creature
21: that's quite simple i felt Sorry for it. I wanted to save it from your torture. I am not a torturer.
22: I inflict pain on them, yes, but like nature, I inflict it without cruelty or malice. And unlike nature, it is done for their benefit.
8: The
28: eye that sees the lightning flash, the thunder
23: roar, is the wind in the trees. What you want for? Is the deep, you, top sea. Me, he's the, me. He's, the me. The he's, he's the fire that burns.
25: It's the stars in the sky. A dream sling. the hat that kills. Shut up, nonsense. It's the house. A drink of drink of pain. Pain. He's Look he's at me, Jeremy. Stop that. He's
23: I'm your master? But wounds, so as I is say, is the hand that heals that make you is bloody. Is listen no to voice me, animal! Bloody, blood <sighs> shaken,
25: alive. the i the
22: I've seen human cruelty, Prentice. It's the face of the beast that dwells in us all. In 1916, I served in Flanders as a medical officer. I saw what human beings can be reduced to through their own bestiality. I work to rise above that, to cut that from us forever. You ask me for a reason. Isn't that reason enough?
27: Perhaps the beginning.
21: Perhaps that's how you began. But now here on this island all I can see is what? Despair. Madness. No reason at all.
25: Oh wicked thing. He has. Kill. He uh, should have gone.
23: <laughs> that is the law. The
25: law is broken. Oh, there is no law. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> no, 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 no.
22: I want you to understand, Prentice. Understand what? My work. It mustn't finish with me. It's too important. There must be someone to carry it on. What about Montgomery? Montgomery is nothing more than an errand boy. It's you, Prentice. You must carry it on. Surely you see that now. That's why you came here. You will be my successor.
25: Bang! Where are you? I'm sorry! Come back! I didn't mean it! please.
22: He must understand. He's the one. There's no one else. When he sees what can be done, I'll finish it tonight. And tomorrow, he'll...
8: Yes. Yes.
28: Wake up. Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Get up,
27: quick. Oh, what is oh, For God's sake, Montgomery, come on. He's gone. I know. It's my fault. I shouldn't have hit him. You, you hit Moreau. What? You just said. No, I meant Malene. Moreau's gone? I've searched the whole compound. I can't find him anywhere.
21: Oh, what about the laboratory? Not there. Neither is the Jaguar. Come on. Come and see for yourself.
27: What a mess. This Is how you found it? Yes. Door wide open. Everything turned upside down. What about the gates? They're open as well. There were clothes last night. Ling went over the fence. What? He ran off. Uh, I hit him. I was drunk. There's blood. What? Here, on the table and,
21: and on the floor. Still fresh. What, what are you doing? We've got to go look for him.
27: I will. When I've had a drink. Montgomery!
23: N- not to chase other men. That is the law. Are we not men? N- not not to drink blood. Uh, that is the law. Where is everyone? Are, are we... no, no, no,
27: no. Where? Where are all the others? Are we not men? Did you hear me?
23: Gone. Oh, all gone. Where? God! Have you seen Moreau? I'm looking for Moreau. It uh, uh, he is. is the hand that makes. Yes, where is he? His is the hand. Answer me! Uh, I am the sayer of the law. Here come all that be new. Oh, God help us.
9: God help us all. I
23: am the sayer of the law.
27: Something's happened, all right. Something's going on, but I'm damned if I know what. The cave was empty. Except for him. Couldn't get any sense out of him sitting there like an idiot.
28: You're sure you searched
27: everywhere? Yes. I've been out all day, haven't I? It's like he's vanished. Maybe that's what happened. He spirited himself away. He talks (laughs) sense. Find another explanation. You can't have looked everywhere. All right, I didn't neither would you if you'd have been out there what do you mean oh it was so quiet so bloody still and quiet as if everything was waiting you got scared damn right i lost my nerve when it started to go dark anybody would have done put that bottle down stop drinking for a minute i'm all right we've got to think what to do you think i'll drink put it down i said Give me that. have had enough. I've had enough of you, Mr. Bloody High and Mighty. I'm not taking orders from you. Shut up. Listen. What? I heard... I heard something. Outside. Well, I didn't.
25: I Listen.
21: There's someone there.
23: Who's there? Murrow? Watch out. Okay. No! Master! Mling! You don't hit me, Master. No. Mling, I, I... Don't let it hit Mling, me! I'm sorry. No.
27: What's the matter with you? Don't you see? He's scared of you. There's no need. I was drunk. You're drunk now. It's all right. It's all right, Mling. He won't hit you again.
28: I'll see you later. Right. It's all right. It's all right. Now, start again, Mling. Take your time. I run into the jungle. The sky shouts, there is white fire. Go on, Malink. I run fast, far. I want to get away from the noise. I go where I have never been before. Many rocks. I climb them, find a hole. I go in. I am tired. I sleep. I wake. Is light, quiet. I hear voices. Below me, there are people. They do not see me.
25: I listen. He is dead. dead? No, no, he breathes.
26: The other is dead. She who bled. And ran, screaming. He
25: killed her. He cannot die. His is the hand that makes. I smell his blood. Blood? Blood. His blood. Uh, he wakes. Uh, we must go. go. Go, go.
27: It was Moreau. Yes. Alive? Yes.
28: The other was dead, she from the House
27: of Pain. She must have turned on him. Where is he? still back there. I pull him into the cave. I
28: cover him with leaves, and then come here.
27: We'd better go and bring him back. In the morning. Now. It'll be safer when it's light. He could be dead by then. We go now. Uh, 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 Hold him up. uh. He's a bloody weight. It's not much further now. Stop. There are others, here, close. I hear that they won't dare hurt us. I wouldn't be too sure. What do you want? You come to give us a hand? Get out of here! Come on! Damn them. Let's just carry on. I'll make them move. Hold on to him. What are you doing? I'll show them who still must around here. Montgomery. you want a
25: taste of this? <laughs> a lightning flash! You'll make more trouble, stop <laughs> it! Than the rock! For oh, God's sake, <laughs> The They're fire that! <laughs> stop it! For God's sake, stop it! They're <laughs> <I> fire the <laughs> <God. you. laughs>
23: Who's there? Who is it? It's dark, I can't see it! It's alright, Doctor. Uh, there's someone! Keep the uh, uh, The law. I may I am the law. Quiet, you're safe now. Uh, who is it's it? It's me, Prentice. Uh, uh, Prentice. Yes. I knew it would be you. Uh, what, what's that? It's just
21: Montgomery. He's been drinking.
22: Uh, a clown. A fool. Every king has his fool. And his heir. Every king has his heir, too. Don't talk. I have to. You must listen.
21: I don't want to.
22: For you, all this. No. I wanted you to see her. See what can be achieved. She wasn't ready.
23: Too much pain.
22: But I wanted you. It was for you. Don't
23: put this on me. I have paper, records, all my work. Take them with you. Explain. You owe it to me. I owe it to you. Yes, you know it. It's why you came here. Promise you must give some account of me.
21: We have built
23: Jerusalem
25: <laughs> in England's
21: green a pleasant
8: Get up, Montgomery.
27: Why, I'm happy here. Get up, I said. More
9: to sleep.
27: I'll
28: give your orders again. I only take orders from Moreau. He's dead.
9: You hear me?
27: Moreau's dead. Ah. Oh. So you'll take orders from me. Go and clean up. They won't have any respect for you if they see you like this. Who um, His people. We're gonna see them. I'm calling
21: a meeting. (laughs) Listen to the words of the law. His is the hand that makes. His is the hand that wounds. His is the eye that sees. He sees. You now. He watches you now and always. He is everywhere. And he has commanded me to tell you this. He has left his body. It was old and no longer of use to him. His body must be burned so that his spirit may be released to watch over you for all time. You will see him no more, but he will be with you in the trees and in the rivers, in the wind and in the waves. He has left you his law, and he has left me as keeper of the law. My voice is his voice. When I speak, it is him speaking to you, and I shall be obeyed. Fear him. Fear me!
25: Fear the
23: law! Fear,
25: fear, fear, fear the law! Fear the law! Fear the law!
27: supplies the boat will hold. As soon as it's dark, we'll get it down to the beach. It shouldn't take long. Provided they don't see us. The fire will keep them away. You hope. All we've got to do then is set fire to the compound. What for? I want it burned, all of it. There'll be nothing left of his work. If that's the way you want it. It is. Where's Maling? Still down there by the Vimal Park.
21: Go and bring him back. We need his help.
28: His spirit. Rises black
25: into the air. They are coming! What? They come. They have killed the sayer of the law. Killed him? Yes. And now they say they will kill the others. <laughs> we have tasted Blood! blood! We have tasted it! It is good! 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 good, good. good it good, is, good. is forbidden! But nothing is forbidden! Nothing! Nothing, uh, nothing! The keeper of the law has spoken to you! There is no keeper! There is no law! No, no, law. no, no the law. law! No care. No law! Not to drink blood. Blood. blood! That is the
27: law! So much for the fire keeping them away. I was sure that... I could have told you. All right. Looks like there's gonna be trouble. we better close the gates. Not yet. I'm going down there. No,
21: what for? To help me. Leave him. There's nothing you can do. I owe it to him. Montgomery. Oh.
25: Then even oh, you, ye dumb men. Your blood. That is No. Not to drink blood. blood. No. blood.
21: there, Moreau. Do you see? It's your doing. Is this what you made them for? Moreau? Answer me! Montgomery. Prentice.
27: I thought you might have been... No. I locked the gates. Wise man. Save yourself. There was nothing I could... No. No. Mling's dead. You were right. Did no good. Only got myself... Di- for nothing. Maybe. But I couldn't leave him, could I? I had to try. Oh, all we can do... try to... make up for things. I'll get you back to the compound.
20: No, no don't remove me. I must. I don't know.
27: Too late for that. Save yourself now. Get away from here. Out of this madhouse. Back to the real world. It's not all like this. Must be some good back there. Montgomery, please. Leave me. Let me lie here. Listen to the waves. Something... About them, that sound,
9: peace.
21: Mix us? For what?
22: Don't let my work die. No
8: purpose. None.
23: Give some account of me.
26: Upon his final return to England, and after he had recovered from his ordeal, My uncle never left his home again. He became an almost total recluse. He would spend long hours of solitude gazing out upon the wide, empty downs or looking up at the night stars. And if ever I ventured to question him about that period on the island, he professed that he had no memory of it. What then am I to make of this so-called Account.
25: Mr. Prentice!
26: No purpose. None. Some account. You owe it to me. Struggle. Suffer. Mr. Mr. Prentice! I do not know, and I do not wish to know. My uncle wrote this, I feel certain, during some moment of weakness when his delirium had returned to him. And I feel with equal certainty that he never intended his words to be read by another. It may well be that he had forgotten he had written them. Therefore, Let them be forgotten,
25: Mr. Prentice.
26: Prentice, the hand that makes the house of
28: pain.
23: Mr. Prentice,
8: are you all right,
28: nurse? Yes.
27: I'm alright. No,
25: no, back into bed. You're still very weak.
27: Listen, nurse. Can you hear
24: them?
25: Who?
11: Then.
27: Outside.
25: Let's close that window, Mr. Francis. Uh, They're
20: out there, howling, crying. There's
25: nothing outside, are we not?
20: Animals, beasts.
21: All of them.
25: No, they're just people. It's
21: creatures everywhere, amongst us, in us, all of us. You'll make yourself ill again. Waiting to strike, waiting to pull us down. Let me I know. I see them. I hear them. Mine is the eye that sees,
26: and I know what to do. There is a solution. These are words written by an isolated soul, a soul in despair they can have no meaning for us. Let them be consigned to the flames and so pass from all human knowledge.
27: A simple solution, final. We must destroy
21: them. Destroy them all.
24: First published in 1896, HG Wells' classic adventure story was dramatised by David Calcutt and starred Kenneth Cole as Montgomery. Neil Foster as Prentice's nephew, Gerard Green played Dr Moreau, Peter Meakin, Captain Jones, Richard Mitchley played Helmar, Terry Malloy, Maling, Danny Schiller, Constance, Kim Wall played Prentice, Janet Dale played the nurse, and other parts were played by Alex Jones. The Island of Dr Moreau was directed by Nigel bryant
14: thank you for listening to the strangers and pilgrims podcast we hope you enjoyed this week's shows visit our website at www.strangerspilgrims.com